This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander Pocket. I was in my head. I was thinking if we could do, I could do some kind of Gamescom thing in there. International, the be- German. I, I couldn't get anything out of the gate there. It just uh, got a. Hey, you gave it your best shot. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the start in Mario Kart. The wheels were just spinning at the starting line there. I, I, I held down the button too. You long. hit it before the second light, not immediately after. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about. Oh man, uh, Alex Navarro, how are you? Oh, I'm just fine. I'm. I have a new angle now, and I'm kind of digging it. I think I yeah. might stick at least with some version of this for now on. Oh, you got to gonna mess up all of our layouts. Every I mean, single one okay. of the layouts. Thank you. Very Look, much. man, that other view. It's like you were seeing too much of what was on the shelves that is not like display stuff. It was like uh, these are all my fucking tubs and wires and shit. Here, it's just like it's all it's all fucking gamer room. I do. I do like that in this shot. You can't. Folks can't see it at home, but there is a proton pack in, in yeah. your in your shot. Hanging off, hanging off the door to the electrical panel. Uh huh. Brad Shoemaker, you've still got the duck in your shot. The yeah. duck shot. Guten Tag. Guten. Uh, there you go. Okay. Guten okay, Duck. Okay. I don't. I don't know. Yes. Wooden duck. Guten Tag. 
Guten Tag I yes, means wooden duck in German. What is what is duck in German? Anybody? Uh, Ein Dulken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I duck I sounds no German to me, so I'm just yeah. gonna go with that one. Enter. Okay, great. Enter apparently is how you use de enter. Okay, German That's, is maybe my favorite language to invent words for. Speak duck and enter. Uh, we are here. We saw Gamescom's opening night live. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, um, I'm sure at some point. Not really too much to get into, so I don't think we're gonna have a dedicated block on Not it. Not a lot of real like new stuff there. Yeah. yeah, like I went through all the news for this podcast, and it didn't once occur to me to go pull a roundup of Gamescom yeah. stuff from that stream. Um, a, kind of a known quantity. Like, yeah. Like Age of Empires 4 surprise released on the Xbox. Right. I think that's, is that just about the only piece of news? And that's only really a surprise in the sense that like it happened that day as opposed to, well, I mean, at some point they were probably going to put that thing on Xbox. I think that was announced. Yeah. Sorry. I think, I think it was just, just uh, the surprise was just that it was out right then. Which is always nice. I enjoy that when they do that. Uh, we saw more stuff from that desert online, which, um, or Crimson, sorry, Crimson Desert. Desert. Crimson, Crimson Desert. Uh, Crimson no, Desert. Black Desert Shocking Online yeah, is yeah. the yeah. previous thing, which was the MMO, which is uh -huh. this is in the same universe, but this, I think, is a single-player open-world game that is not online, but it is still part of the Desert franchise. Which is probably, it's not necessarily newly announced, but the thing that I was like, okay, well, this this kind of made it onto a radar of mine at least like the most the most elaborate looking assassin's creed ever made and then uh, uh just to kind of bring things full circle here because i was going to mention this anyway that um thank goodness you're here or, or yeah. the, uh that panic game yeah panic putting out a new game like not i mean they've been doing playdate stuff for the last two years or whatever but what was the last like actual game they put out untitled goose game maybe I, uh, that was their last big one. I don't know. I don't. They might have put something else in the interim out that I just didn't catch. But but that game looks. Uh, I don't know what the game gameplay actually is, but the trailer was fun and silly and uh, goofy. It looked like a game that should be coming out on like the Vita or something if the Vita still existed. But also the one thing during that entire uh, event that got our YouTube video blocked uh, mm -hmm. in the United States. So um, while okay. a very Come fun on, trailer. I freaking I, 20 seconds, 20 seconds of audio blocked in the entire United States, Japan, and a bunch of other territories. I, they, they, they can't just give us 20 seconds. 20 seconds. I'm not here to tell anyone how to do their job uh, because that is rude and I'm not going to do that. But that said, if I was running one of these presentations, like an opening uh -huh. night live or a summer games fest or something that Jeff Keeley was running, I'm talking to you, Jeff. Uh huh. I would maybe put in a concession that if you are going to submit a trailer for this thing, you have to clear the rights for streaming. I, I'll go. I'll take you one even more just legal here, where I I kind of dug through because I was really kind of mad of into YouTube's official policy stuff, and they state if you're going to make a claim, you need to have looked over the content to not make frivolous claims. Yes, and I'm gonna say. All of our stuff comes back from auto matching and, the, yes. and, the, and that they are not actually looking at the context of our claim, which would be in an editorial capacity to talk over this presentation. So I'm going right. to say we are, we are doing transformative work here. I'm going to say it Damn is right. not only transformative, it is not it is not um, it is promotional because mm -hmm. we are we are looking at their commercial, uh, which is another thing. But also <clears throat> uh, in the context of the market, we are not stealing market share. No. From from that game, we are basically. If anything, we are contributing it. to it. Yeah. 
Uh, or at least from, from the song. I don't know. Maybe people. Maybe this is the only way people will listen to that song is from us talking over the trailer uh, for that song, and that's their case. I, anyway, it's just, it's just absurd. It's one of those absurd, it's absurd things. It feels like yeah. it should have been fixed years ago, and somehow still hasn't been. It's my long way of saying, look, if uh, if that video is not available in your territory, which in this case means the United States at this point, I'm trying to put it up on our Patreon for everybody to see. And also, hopefully, the Twitch archive doesn't have it muted uh, for because it takes down the entire video. Yeah. Uh, and in my dispute this time, I even added a thing that was like, look, I'd rather not edit out your commercial from <laughs> from yeah. this thing. Your promotional materials. Anyway, that's my grievance. That's uh, That game looks neat and fun. It was right. maybe one of my favorite things to see during... Uh, that game's gone. Our and weekly th- airing of grievances is over. Oh man, man. Um, anything else going on? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking video games, man. They're coming. <laughs> Play then, don't stop coming. <clears throat> playing Starfield. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> going on. Yeah. We should mention at the top here. Yes. Uh, if we're, I don't think we're not light on games on the podcast this week, but certainly trying to spend as much time with Starfield as possible in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the embargo for that thing will necessitate that we run this podcast just a tad bit late next week. Well, for the, yeah, uh, uh, probably a day late for, uh, Patreon subscribers usually get it on Wednesday. The embargo is in, uh, Thursday in, in the mid afternoon there on the East coast. So that yeah, the podcast the, will go up there. The public feed. That's only, I think it's like six hours later. Six I think. hours. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're, yeah six a.m. So Eastern. I think podcast will only be six hours late for public listeners next week yeah so we can talk about starfield yeah because uh we're all touching it we're all playing it and uh that'll be next week's podcast again if you don't see it in the um in the main feed popping up especially on the patreon feed popping up on wednesday it's because it will we have to hold it for the embargo for starfield which i suspect we will be spending a majority of our game and talking time talking about that game uh but we've got a bunch of other stuff to talk about today um let's start with alex you went and saw some sega stuff yeah some of which i can talk in fact almost all of which i can talk about except for one game which has a separate embargo which is the sonic superstars so i guess i can't talk about that until next week sonic commands his own embargo as we all know (laughs) yes uh but they did have a bunch of other stuff there i didn't get a chance to play all of it but i did get a chance to play uh the new yakuza gaiden uh, the man who erased his name, uh, and also the Persona Three remake, uh, which is on coming pretty soon, I think. Uh, and I saw a little bit of the Persona Five Tactica game as well. Where do you want to start? Uh you know, let's just start with the with the the Yakuza because or okay. like a dragon because that is you know that's my wheelhouse. That's mm-hmm. that's where I live is in uh, Kamarocho. I still can't, man. I just I don't think I'm ever going to get used to it. Like, I I like a dragon. See, I keep seeing people refer to like a dragon Gaiden, and I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? Like like a dragon came out like three years ago now. What what? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Right. Yes. Yes. That is now the franchise. Uh so this is the side story that is, from what I understand, a relatively full-fledged game, though probably not the full, full version of a Yakuza game, because they are making another one of those, I think, that comes out next year. Uh, featuring Ichiban, but this is a story about what's going on with Kiryu while all this other stuff is happening with Ichiban and his friends. Uh, And so I'm going to get into a very tiny bit of Like a Dragon spoilers here because, and and a little bit of what was going on with Kiryu prior to that, because I kind of need that to set this up. But the gist of it is that, you know, 
where Kiryu is in the storyline of all things like like a dragon is that uh, he's gone. He's checked out. He faked mm-hmm. his own death, uh, basically, at the end of 6, uh, and is in hiding, more or less, to protect the people around him because of all the shit that he knows and that he has gotten involved in. I'll let you play Yakuza 6 to figure out what all that was, but... Okay. Um, so he shows up very briefly in 7, um, in a very, like, out of, oh, fuck, oh, Kiryu's here, shit, kind of cameo. Um, and he just kind of shows up, beats a bunch of people's asses, and then leaves. Uh, and then you have, like, one longish conversation with him, if I remember correctly, where he doesn't really allude to what he's doing, but just kind of says, hey, I'm out here, you know, I'm around. He doesn't promote his his game in that. No. <laughs> Look for me in, uh, uh, like, a Dragon Guy Den. No. It. So the setup for this seems to be that Kiryu is now working for shadow government stuff. Um... <laughs> The man who erased his name is basically saying, we took away your name, you now have this code name, and now you're going to go do uh, secret ops for us. Burn your fingerprints off style yeah. stuff. Okay. So the demo I played didn't set up any of that stuff. It did not say like what agency he's working for, how he ended up doing this, any of that. Uh, what it did do was introduce one new locale, uh, which I assume isn't the only locale that you go to in the game, but it is. it seems like it's a, it's a pivotal one, called the Castle. Um, okay which is a gigantic floating barge full of uh, sin. Okay, great. Uh, It is, like, the walls of it are all shipping containers around the edge of the boat, but on the inside is a gigantic, like, recreation of, I think they said Kyoto Castle, though I don't remember exactly, and then a whole bunch of, like, gambling halls, clothing stores, hostess clubs, a fucking ring you know get in the ring fucking you know pit fighter uh competition and you're there to infiltrate something though they don't it's, really say what it is it's like uh what is it like shadowloo or like uh uh like uh its own like like international waters what's the what's the metal gear one uh that the, the outer well there's outer heaven like the place that is its own base, the place it's, for retired uh, mercs. Yeah, that's out of heaven. So it's like that, except what if it was just a place where you go to fucking spend money <laughs> and fight? <laughs> when you say, did you say so fucking spend money or fuck and spend money? Yeah, you know, you could go with either. Okay. I mean, I, it, <laughs> okay. I, there's no actual fucking, though there is a hostess club minigame, and they got live action hostesses to talk to them. It's FMV. Finally. Uh, finally, yes. FMV in my Yakuza game. Yeah. Oh, my Wait, there's game. actual FMV? There's actual FMV of the girls, oh, yes. Weird. weird. Uh, I only got to talk to one of them, but uh, it was very uncanny and weird talking to a real, like... <laughs> a real hostess lady uh, while everything else is in game. But so all they really let you do in the demo is wander around this place a little bit, try out all the different mini games. Like you can go into the casino, play casino games. You can go the, the thing you're supposed to do at the end is go get, enter the tournament and then go fight a bunch of guys. Oh, okay. It's part of the narrative. Yeah. And so they showed off a couple of the fighting styles, one of which is just the straight up like Yakuza martial arts style. Like it's a bunch of his old fighting styles combined into one. And then there's the secret agent one, which is, he has a fucking laser tripwire thing that he uses to lasso dudes. What? Uh, he's got grenades. He's got a drone that he can sort of launch out. It's very like, okay, what are some secret agent powers we can give him without just giving him a gun? Okay. I mean, Kiryu's kind of an idiot, but is he, does this fit? Like, with his, like, does he seem suave? Because I feel like that was never his thing. You know, the thing about Kiryu is that He's a dope. Dope, but, yeah. But the thing is, he's not 
Like, he doesn't have a lot of book smarts, but he has a lot of savvy and street smarts. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he's very good at adapting to situations, very ridiculous situations, I might (laughs) add. So I don't think putting him into a secret agent thing is actually that far afield of what he's capable of. Interesting. I have not played any of the Akaza games except Seven. I would have said you just described Ichiban. Like, I I always assumed Kiryu was the, like, like highly competent, whip-smart, mm. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Extremely on top of and able to handle his business. And Ichiban was the dope, but maybe they're more alike than I thought. Here's, here's what it is. Like, Kiryu's a dad dope. <laughs> like, Kiryu okay. is a guy who, again, he can adapt to anything. He's very cool under pressure. Maybe the single greatest fighter that the world has ever known. Uh, but, you know, when he's presented with stuff like, hey, do you want to know how to talk to sexy ladies on the computer? He's like, live chat oh? <laughs> Right, yeah, You yeah. know, like, and if you present, like, I think in Zero, the first time he's presented with the concept of a cell phone, it's like magic has been put put in front of him. Is that the bag phone? Is that the... I think the, so, yeah. The guy with the, the backpack bag phone? phone? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, that's his thing, is that, like, he's not particularly plugged into the way, <laughs> like, the evolving ways of the world, but if you show him that stuff, he will learn it pretty quick. Yeah. Ichiban is similar, but Ichiban is also, like, the sort of dude who throws himself whole cloth into anything without much thought, whereas Kiryu, I think, is a little more thoughtful about what he does. Also, I feel like Kiryu, the lovable thing about him is like he he's kind of um he's kind of a sucker for a sap story, a sob story. Right? Totally. Like you like, like, oh, but come on, I left my favorite hamburger on the mm-hmm. bed. Could you just beat up these 18 guys to get my yes. it's got it's got a double beef patty. Oh, a double beef patty. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean if it's got a double beef, absolutely. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. The difference is that like Kiryu would be like, you know, ah, oh, you know, that was interesting. I learned a valuable lesson this where it should be drawn is like, you're my friend now. We're gonna do everything. <laughs> this is awesome. Let's fucking I'm gonna okay. hang out with you. We're gonna I'm gonna save your hamburger. It's gonna be great. Yeah, yes. Um, Granted, we've only gotten one game with him, so maybe they'll evolve his character a little over time. Uh, based on what we saw of him in the trailer for the new one, I don't know. He's very nude. <laughs> Extremely nude. Yeah. So, uh, did you get to play much else aside from beating up these dudes in this in this offshore uh, gladiatorial ring? No, again, this is very much like a light taste of kind of what happens in this area. Um, okay. I assume there's probably stuff happening in Camarocho and you know other locales as well, but... Again, I, this is a Gaiden game. It is not a full, you know, Yakuza mm-hmm. sequel. So I assume that it is probably a little shorter uh, than the the main games tend to be. That said, it does seem like they are presenting this as like a. I mean, though they're not doing a physical version, they are presenting this as a pretty significant story thing. So I assume that a lot of what happens in this will probably end up tying into the next game. Can you talk about the Persona Tactics game? I'm, uh, I'm I can only of... give you a little bit of that because I okay. ended up like I, I was only caught a little bit of that on the way out. I watched someone else play a little of it. Uh, it appears to be a little bit of an XCOM like, though it is more in the vein of the Mario and Rabbids games, and that it seems like you can kind of free move around mm. uh, the environment before uh, you know before executing your your next move. Okay, so a little a little bit more. Let's call it real time uh, tactical. Yeah. Uh, positioning at least that seems to be the vibe i'll be honest the reason i didn't really dig into it is because i'm just persona fived out at this point after the brawler game that i played more of than i probably should have not because it was bad i was just kind of already burned out on that stuff 
I'm like, I just don't need more of Persona 5 right now. I'm kind of done with these characters. I'm kind of done with this story. So Look, that's fair. I I didn't really even get into 5 because I had kind of, I feel like I had put so much into 4. Yes. Um, and so I feel like you, you get your Persona and then you go all in and then maybe you need to like take a little break. Yeah. It's a big so investment. I, yeah, so if you're still into it, hey, here's another Persona 5 thing if you still want to see what the Phantom Thieves are up to, um, but I, I'm kind of done. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I also did spend some time playing the Persona 3 remake uh, because I have never played Persona 3 in any form before, and I was curious about it. Okay, What'd you, uh, what is your takeaway? My takeaway is they made it look like Persona 5. Um, okay. They have given it kind of the visual sheen and, you know, whatever engine they're currently using. Just in terms of fidelity or also in style? Well, surely they're not just aping the style of like five's menus and stuff like that. I assume they're at least trying to keep the visual identity of three. Again, as someone who has not played the original Persona 3, I mm. cannot tell you the exact amount of change they have made between them, but um, I'd say it's more, to me, it felt more in terms of fidelity, though the menus do have a similar look to them, they but I don't know if that's how they looked in the original or not. They kind of had that, pers- uh, as if I remember correctly, they kind of had that Persona style uh, yes. for 3 that kind of went into 4 and 5, I, uh, you know, in my memory of it so like they already had that stylish yes uh, uh menu selection stuff but this is the one where when you summon your personas you shoot yourself in the head with a gun i'm sorry you evoke right. it. you evoke it thank you no right. you evoke you it. shoot yourself in the head with a gun let's be fucking real about this <laughs> God, i forgot about that it is true yeah um so i played they they had two discrete sections you could play one was just sort of like a climbing a tower dungeon thing where you're kind of running around Mm. Uh, and dealing with random battles, opening chests, all that kind of stuff, and then you fight a big boss. Uh, was the second section, which was a uh, very uh, let's just say uh, sexy demon lady uh, at the end of a subway car. Okay. Um, and so you know they let you play around with the personas a little bit. Uh, you don't have a ton to choose from. You only have two party members to work with. Uh, but you know it's the it's the personas you know i mean it's it's all the same spells you know you can cast bufu if you really want to um i found <laughs> the know. i've you actually know. found the boss fight surprisingly easy though maybe that's it's an early one so maybe that's by design i am not exactly like a seasoned persona or even really jrpg person but i found it pretty easy to slide into it just with the experience i have with four and five so okay um but yeah, I mean, it looks really nice. You know, they don't really give you any context for the story in this demo because, you know, it's probably like a hundred hour game. So 30 minutes isn't really going to give you a lot. Look, you're but in school. You're part of a club that at night goes and fights some guys. I'm pretty sure you're wearing a school uniform in yeah. this. So yeah, that does seem to be the indication. Um, whatever's going on there, you know, I again, th- it made me excited for this because this is the person the, of the like current slate of persona mm-hmm. games which i think three to five is generally how they're blocked off i don't know what the deal is with persona one and two if they're like a totally different thing or if it's just like a more primordial version of what these games became but three is the one of these that i have never tried before and this makes me like okay yeah this is going to be fun i'm going to try this yeah we we dabbled in a, a giant bomb and a little of the persona one and two stuff and i remember it being pretty different Yeah. That's always been the way it's been framed to me, and I've, I, as someone who just doesn't really know much about these games prior to that era, 
I remember Persona 3 being the one back in the day everyone was like, holy shit about. I I want to say, because, uh, boy, I'll go catch some heat for this. So let's just say, grain of salt, my ignorance. But there's so many spinoffs of spinoffs going on here. And I want to say... Persona, well, Persona 2, is a spinoff of Shin Megami yeah. Tensei, which yes, is that's, that's a right. Devil Summoner, also a spinoff, right? Uh, that might be right. I want to say there's Devil Summoner, then there's like Shin Megami Tensei, which is a spinoff of that, and then there was Shin Megami Tensei Persona, yes. and then those just came became Persona games. Yes. Uh, I, again, could be wrong. Um, that was, and so I I want to say like Persona one and two were. <laughs> A, a little more of its own thing and then persona 3 very much a persona game you know? yes so this is persona 3 and you know i i'm i'm thrilled that i have now like a new modern way to check this out i'm sure someone will come to me and say like you should just play the ps2 version to which i'm just gonna say right now no um if i'm gonna <laughs> do it this is how i'm gonna do it so unless i find out they have done something terrible to the content of that game in this remake which I have no context for. Uh, this is probably the way I'm going to do it. Even I have to just throw this. Even even the entire line of Megami Tensei games is a spinoff of something called Dig- Digital Devil Story. Okay, great. Uh, Love it. Which was a book, I think. Yes, that's a novel, a series of novels. I truly love the way Atlas frames this because everything's a spinoff of a spinoff, but then every spinoff becomes its own franchise of games. Like when they were talking about Persona 5, they were talking about the Persona 5 franchise in the Mm -hmm. initial presentation. And I'm just like, yeah, you can do you do that. You do that every time you make one of these. You make seven spinoff games of your spinoff series from another Mm spinoff. Fuck yes. Go get that money. Okay, yes, that Devil Summoner is the other main spinoff. Okay. Outside okay. Persona. The, um, the thing I, I remember hearing, and uh, I'm sure members of the audience know this uh, information more than I do, but I thought I heard some of the stuff from Fez, uh, Persona 3 Fez, which was the uh, like definitive edition Persona 3 style thing that added the other playable character, the female character. Mm-hmm. Some of that stuff is not in this. My understanding is that it is only the male protagonist, and that is what they showed in the okay. demo, which is unfortunate, but... Maybe it'll know. come in, you know, like, they release so many versions. Yeah, of when the they do the Royale something. version, suddenly yeah. they'll add the other protagonist or whatever, yeah. Well, I guess, I don't know, we're, we're out of handhelds, so I don't know where they bring the next version to, so you're not going to yeah. get the uh, uh, handheld version, but this is cool. I'm glad they're doing a remake. Persona 3 was my entryway into the Persona stuff, and I really... So you like that it- game? I did at the time, um, but Persona Four was the one is is like the one I loved the best. I, you know, yeah, I had a lot of fun. That was my entry. Zone. Four was yeah. my entry. It was the the fucking what was it the PSP or Vita version? Vita version, I think, right? Oh, uh, Golden, Golden, yeah. Okay, I played a lot of that on an airplane or multiple airplanes. Okay, uh, some would say Golden version, best version. Uh, I, I mean, I did not it's play the for golden. a reason. Yeah, I did not play the Golden version. Okay. Um, Okay, is that, is that mostly the Sega stuff? That's most. I mean, they had a few other things there, like they had some of their Total War stuff, which that is not my my scene. Um, mm. They had that Endless Dungeon game there, uh, which I did not have time to go check out. But and they also had the Samba de Amigo for Switch, which I watched <gasps> someone play for a while, and it's exactly what you think it is. Okay, shake those uh, shake Joy-Cons. those Joy Cons as though if they were maracas. Yes. Okay. Uh, I was looking quickly, looking behind me to see if I had my Persona Three Fez Steelbook case. Ooh, uh, which, uh, 
maybe one of the only steelbooks I have that wasn't something that was like left in an office or given to me to be like, I don't need this in my life. Um, remember that Halo? Remember the Halo carrying case that came with like the diary? Uh, it was a, it was the thing that I was think it was the thing that was inside the helmet of Halo. Like when you took the helmet off, and it had uh, what's your face's like diary as a, as a as a, a book in it. Um, who, who's the person? The Spartan program woman. Oh God, is it Halsey? Ha- maybe Halsey. And had, her like, name? I think I think it was like a diary, a little book or something like that. It was in it maybe. Anyway, I feel like I have that thing, but not the helmet. Uh, but I have like this like large Halo thing, which is the other too big game thing aside from the steelbook reminds me of that things that don't fit into where you store all your other games and you're like crap where do i put this freaking thing you should you should digitize that diary and make a pdf out of it and then get rid of the diary <laughs> i'm sure somebody Just has i store everything digitally i think it was like a diary i remember reading her like entries in this in about this i don't know i don't know anyway this reminded me of that um well, we've got some other stuff to get to, but should we take a break first and come back and uh, yeah. Yeah, move through some other video games here? We're going to talk about Bomb Rush, Fort Solus, Madden, Immortals, a little bit about Immortals. So stick around. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander, rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And we are back and ready to talk about more video games. Alex, let's stick with you. And I I know this says Sega in my mind as well. Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Not Sega. Not Sega, but like Team Reptile, I believe is the studio that made this. Yeah. Yes, the Lethal League developer. Yeah. This is Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Uh, where did you wind up playing it? Uh, it's on the PC. Uh, okay. It's also on Switch now, I guess, but it will be on the other consoles in fairly short order. Uh, but I've been playing on the PC. Okay. Next week, I think. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? So I will preface this by saying I played Jet Set 
Radio Future and Jet mm-hmm. Grind Radio. Uh, I did not finish either game to my recollection back in the day, but I remember liking them. Okay, where did so, you those those are Dreamcast, right? Originally, one was Dreamcast. I think the other one was Xbox. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, wasn't Future an Xbox game? I yeah, believe. it was. That was, in, that was in that weird period where the Xbox became the de facto sequel to the Dreamcast. Yeah, <laughs> all of Sega's development moved to the Xbox, and all of the Dreamcast fans also moved to the Xbox. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it became and, the and, holding and, tank for all things Sega. <laughs> And the Xbox adopted Sega's button, face button layout. Mm. And Sonic adopted Sonic for a bit until he mm, went to Nintendo kinda. and said, there's a home here for you. Yeah. There's a home here, Sonic. But uh, this, yeah. this is a game that has deep nostalgia, both for those games and just kind of games of this general, like, Dreamcast PS2 era uh, of aesthetics and vibes. And it is cool is the way i will describe it and i don't mean that in a oh it's just really fun you know whatever it's like no i think the thing that's actually kind of cool about it is that yes it wears its nostalgia on the sleeve but uh it is not obsessively constantly trying to remind you of the things that you liked about the other games which is not to say that it is not very much one of those and plays like one of those but it Mm -hmm. is not being like dropping a million references to those games, at least in the early goings that I've played. It is more like, hey, we're telling our own story, we're kind of doing our own thing, but also we really fucking liked those Jet Set games, and here's our vi- our vision of that. So, are you on roller skates or rollerblades? Uh, so I started out on a skateboard, though okay. in, the, in the tutorial, you also get the ability to put on roller skates. So I assume at some point... You can change uh, what kind of rolly uh, device you have. Uh, obvious question: Are they mechanically different? Different tricks? Different control schemes? Or is that just a cosmetic choice? So I or- think the trick animations are different, but the control scheme seems like it's basically the same. Are you throwing up graffiti? Yes, you are tagging. You are uh, you are getting up, uh, <laughs> as Mark Echo once put it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You are you are definitely graffitiing the shit out of stuff. Oftentimes, it is graffitiing over other gangs, though uh, there are also other areas that haven't been unclaimed that you can you can tag. That it contributes to your rep, which you sometimes need to advance the story to the next objective. Um, you're just kind of. It seems like they just kind of drop you into areas, uh, and then you skate around. You, there are certain objectives you have to hit, though there are other things you can just kind of mess around and do uh, and look for like hidden t- new te- like new graffiti that's just hidden around the environment in kind of a Tony Hawk sort of way. Um, and the story is, uh, exactly what it should be, uh, which is to say you are in this sort of like millennial retro futuristic world, uh, where these crews are kind of running whatever the city is. And, but there's also like a, you know, fascist police state that wants to take down all the tagging crews. But then there's also this other seemingly rival crew that is headed up by a guy named dj cyber okay uh who okay i'm gonna give you a very slight spoiler here because but it does happen in the first uh 20 minutes of the game so i hope this isn't too big of a thing you play in the tutorial as this guy named foe who is this uh you know kind of blonde dude who gets busted out of jail by one of the other main crew people uh, and then you you solidify your friendship by doing the fucking, uh, you know, Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger thing and Predator, the big hand uh-huh. clasp. 
And then within a minute, uh, Foe gets his fucking head cut off by DJ Cyber. Okay. Damn! He throws a fucking bladed record at you as you are jumping <laughs> off a building and cuts your goddamn head off. Mm-hmm. That's... Are you still alive? Yes. Okay, good. Because apparently in this universe, p- there's dudes that just do fucking Frankenstein science, and so there's a whole crew called the Franks. <laughs> the Franks are a bunch of Frankenstein dudes that throw Great. tags and do BMX biking and skateboarding, uh, and they're headed up by a what appears to be a 13-year-old ginger child uh, who does all the Frankensteining, and so... Apparently, your body was brought to this guy, and he puts a fat robot head on you. Is that why? Are you able to customize your character with that robot head? Is it like a character creator at that point? So they don't give you the ability out of the gate to do that. They just kind of give you a robot head, and that's part of the story. I assume at some point you will be able to uh, to, to greater customize your character. But the quest seems to be, go get your head back from DJ Cyber. You need that. You need that. You need that. I, it's It's kind of... Interesting that the head is the thing you don't have. Like, yes. you know, that, and it's still you somehow? Well, it's your body. And okay. the, when they talk to Red, who is now the character with because your robot head is Red, uh-huh. um, it doesn't really seem like you have retained any memories, <laughs> oh, just gotcha. kind of functionality. Okay. And they're like, you used to be this guy named Foe. We need to go get your head back so you can get your personality and your mind back oh, and all that okay. stuff. Okay. And of course, just, that makes sense. And you're just like, okay, cool. I guess I still have all these tagging talents, but that's great. Those were the those are just muscle memory at that point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, is the gameplay kind of um, try to reach these quote unquote platform your way to the targets to tag them? Is that kind of that seems to be the thrust of it so okay. far? Yeah, is that it is very much like here's your city. It's got all kinds of grindable areas and you know places you can wall run off of. Uh, you have like a jet boost instead of like a straight up double jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you get when you jump, it just sort of like boosts you forward when you're up, like an air um, dash, like kind of an air dash. Yeah. So, uh, and again, the objectives you know range from just do these tasks for these guys to like you know there is combat. It seems pretty light. It's mostly just a couple of different attack buttons uh, that do different things that are also your trick buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every once in a while, it seems like cops will just get called to whatever area you're in. And then once the cops are around, you have to either fight them or avoid them until some greater fight happens. Uh, there is a boss battle like pretty early on in the, the tutorial. And then, you know, it seems like there's going to be more of that stuff as well. But a lot of it is just like knocking dudes out of the air and punching them until they fall over. You know, it's not anything that complicated. Does it seem like this? I've just read some online discussion of people talking about this game. So don't like take this as some huge criticism. It's just me reading some stuff. Saw some people saying they felt like it was maybe not as like full of life or bustling as the Jet Set games. Like it's the city's a little more empty. Does that does it seem that way to you? I again, I'm going from distant memory here. That might be true, but I don't feel like it's that different personally. It this feels like it is capturing the memory I have of those games versus like, you know, just being a straight up like kind of one-to-one analog. But again, it's been so long since I played any of those that like I truly don't remember exactly how the cities felt in that game. I will say the controls feel pretty good. Like they it has a good feel to it comboing stuff is not that hard uh like you can get into a pretty good flow state with it without like too much hassle um but again that's it, it feels like to me it feels like they captured the memory of whatever i have those games versus like 
you know, I've, I'm sure if I sat down and played the original, there I would immediately start noticing differences. But like in in the immediate, I did not notice much. How's that soundtrack? Good. Good. It has Very to good. Be. Okay. Yeah. No, like it's a good mix. I mean, it is definitely that like turn of the millennium style like internet rap is how I describe it. Like people that mm-hmm. are just like you know people that are fucking around in fruity loops back in like the year two thousand. <laughs> uh huh. But like it's good, you know. Like it has it has that real like kind of electro funk meets sort of like very scratchy, very sample heavy hip hop. You know, a little bit of dance stuff in there too. Like it's it's got it's got the right flavor to it. That is a uh, bomb rush cyber. I almost said bomb yes. funk cyber. Bomb rush. one word. <laughs> rush one uh-huh. word. Cyber funk. Cyber funk. Okay. Yeah. Good, good on good on them for picking a title that it exactly matches the <laughs> cadence, the delivery, the rhythm of the original title. Yes, Jet Set Radio, Bomb Rush, Cyberfunk, like it mm-hmm. sounds exact. You know, if you're gonna do this, like really go for it. You know, like really evoke the original in every way you can. All I'll say right now is that between this and Hi-Fi Rush this year, millennial game aesthetics are alive and well. Good Rush games this year. Yeah. Uh, a, lot of, a lot, a lot of blue sky stuff out there. Totally, lately. very colorful, very cell shaded. Yeah, yeah. Although, like, we should move on. And again, this is like a snap judgment just from looking at trailers and screenshots. Like the color palette is a little more green than I would have expected from the media they've put out. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a little more green and less blue. If that makes sense. Yes. Maybe this is Jet Set Radio as made by David Fincher. I don't know. Maybe it's more uh, future where they're they're trying to harken back to the green of the Xbox days. That Xbox green. Uh, well, Jet Grind was just the the name they put it out in the states yeah. originally. Okay, but yeah. it, it did it revert back to Jet Set pretty quickly. I didn't. It wasn't a Jet Set Radio Future. I think was the name here for okay. the second one. I can't remember. Yeah, it was. I think that's right. Okay, so Jet Grind and Jet Set are the same game, just yeah, different uh, localization. Yes. Okay. Yes. I had that weird for the. I had the Xbox version of that, and I had the weird combo disc with like whatever Sega Rally game they also put out <laughs> on the Xbox at the same time. So those are like the first Xbox games I ever bought. I didn't. Uh, I played a little bit of Future. I didn't play them before that. Uh, I didn't. Ha- I did not have a Dreamcast. It was not a Dreamcast game. I, I I will. I will say in their defense, I just looked up uh, JSRF. Uh huh. Specifically, it's also kind of green. Like looking, the first one's got that very bright primary color blue like literal blue sky mm-hmm. look to it but then the second one actually did go in that sort of green shifted direction so they are actually pretty spot on with that. i remember a lot of green and yellow in that game that's that's my predominant color re- memory uh that is bomb rush cyberfunk 40 bucks available on the switch and pc currently uh coming to other platforms a i will bit. just mention very briefly here uh there is apparently some kind of save bug on the pc version uh no, i have not run into it but there is a t- pinned thread i think on the steam version that says hey we're aware of this we're looking okay. into it but just one of those things to be aware of in case you are planning on getting the pc version yes uh and again, the other ones, I think, out September 1st on yeah. uh, uh, Xbox and PlayStation systems. Uh, moving on to the next game we have here, which is Fort Solus. If you watched the uh, Gamescom opening night live, you saw Troy Baker and company out there doing a little uh, rep, repping for Fort Solus out there. Uh, it is a fairly small and contained game on an abandoned space station on mars um kind of a third person narrative game 
it is not an action game. It is not a dead space. It is not a puzzle game. It is more of a you walk through this space station kind of uncovering what happened there throughout the course of, let's say, three to five hours, depending okay. on how much you poke around. And when I say walk, I really mean it. Okay. So, there is no sprint, fast walk, hustle, move your ass, double time it, no nothing, which... Wow. So it's only three to five hours with the fact that you can't move quickly. If they had a uh, move your ass button in that game, this game would probably come down to about two and a half hours. Because wow. one, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's a no. I'm going to stick by it. Maybe two and a half hours. Stand by your statements. Yeah. So I finished this game. Um, I had to make the choice of I was playing this last night after I got back from my kids. So I had three choices to make. One was do I go to my son's baseball game? I did. I went to the, made the right choice. Went to I think you made game. the right choice. Yeah. Two was uh okay, I'm back from the baseball game. It's now like nine or ten o'clock because those freaking games go long. Um we went out to eat after. He had a great game. Went out to eat after. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna boot up Fort Solus or, or Mortals of Avium. I want I'm really curious about Fort Solus. I'm gonna go play that. And then this morning was like I think I should beat Fort Solus uh, versus uh, dive into a little bit of Immortals of Avium, which uh, I did wind up doing because Fort Solus ended before I, th- I thought it was going to take up most of my time. Uh, that game is not... I've seen some people really coming down on that game on the on the PC side, um, but I, a lot of it I can say seemed like it was technical stuff mixed in with some of the gameplay, and I played on the PlayStation 5. Before I bought it, I went to go look and be like, is this, has this running on the PC? And some people said, this is not running super well currently on the PC. So I went for the PS5, ran pretty much fine on, on the PS5 for me. Uh, but the no run thing, man, you, it's a game that has co- very corridor-like areas where it's not that big a deal. And then it's got areas that are kind of open where you can wander around the wrong way for too long and then have to walk your ass back mm. the other way. And they don't do anything on screen to point you in the right direction necessarily aside from, you know, hey, maybe you head towards the lit up parts of the, the thing outside. But at the same point, you're collecting um, multiple things. One, you're collecting art, which I it's neat, but I didn't care that much about. But also, you're collecting the story via logs and stuff like that, which I really did care about and didn't want to miss. But when you punish exploration by making it so dang tedious to walk your ass back to the main path, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like sometimes it's like, oh, I really want to get this done before a podcast or before a deadline or before whatever. It wasn't even, it wasn't that. It was more of like, this just stinks. Like mm. this, this just like, I want to go walk off, but that's going to be a 10 minute thing to go, you know, uh, and there might be nothing there. It might be a dead end. Uh, so that, that look, there's probably a lot of reasons. I get the atmosphere. Should this character be jogging at certain points? Answer is yes at certain points when they are walking. But the other answer is like, look, do we jog everywhere? No. Right? right. If I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk. Okay. I'm, and if I'm going to die on a fucking haunted space station, I think I would <laughs> jog a little bit, well, honestly. So there are some places where you're like, you should really be moving faster. Yeah. But, so, but most of the time, you're like, look, you'd be walking. Most of the time, you're just kind of exploring. The other thing is, 
I wonder if streaming in some of these areas would be harder. To, it's a very good looking game with some really nice textures. Um, and even when I was walking up to things, textures were doing that progressive uh, quality thing oh of like, oh, the text is legible on this door and then it's chunking in kind of like it, it's, it's giving me the nicer version. So I kind of wonder if some of that stuff is a walking versus uh running thing of like, oh, you can't. It is the world they have built is amazing. There is some real talent on this team. Hmm. And it it is like visually, vi- you mean? Yeah, it is a really cool and realized Martian human base, right? Hmm. Like based on Mars. The technology's rad, the way they have thought through the technology's rad and detailed. The um you know, there it's very thought out of how humans would interact with new technology on this planet and feels awesome. Like looks cool and interacts. Some of it just doesn't work that well. The map is on your wrist like a pip boy, but kind of looks cool. It's like integrated how it should and feels like a thing that would exist in real life. But when there's overhead glare reflecting on your wrist, as you're trying to read logs or look at stuff, the glare is on your wrist and you can't move out of the way. You have to find a new spot to look at your wrist. If there's a big overhead fluorescent glaring down. Diegetic UI is a very cool (laughs) thing right up until it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's that, um, as, uh, the writing and the plot of it, I, I didn't find every log in video. Um, so I can't say for sure. I, kind of we'll just go look it up at this point i don't know if i'm gonna play it again but i don't know it's it's all right like i'm not even the overall story yeah yeah like i I was kind of in you know you're in this game for the story right Mm -hmm. and 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 maybe some of the performances which are all very good i think i think actually performance capture is very good the performances are 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 good the story itself feels a little flat um Mm. and um you know, without giving anything away, I I would say there's almost not even that much to give away. So, huh. uh, um, uh, again, maybe there are more logs I miss that that deepen deepen things. But um, you know, it's if you're in it for this amazing tale of of something, it's a little flat. I felt okay. Um, like you're, you're you're ironically making me want to boot this up on the PC when I get back into town, just to see how to a to see if it's really as disastrous technically as people say and b to see what it looks like based on what you're saying but like the actual game there does not sound like it's worth showing up for no it's almost like this it would be a better um two-hour movie uh mm-hmm. and, and and i mean that mostly because it you can probably do a little bit more and have more tension in, in a movie where this is kind of a thriller versus like a, a sci-fi action thing it's got a little bit more of a thriller it's got, it's almost got a vibe of, um, oh gosh, what is the, uh, uh, what is the Machina X? What was it? Uh, X Machina? X Machina. X Machina. Yes. It's not, is that Deus Ex Machina? It's, uh, it's X Machina. Uh, yeah. So X Machina. It's almost got that vibe of, um, uh, claustrophobic p- parts and, you know, uh, maybe something's out there. Maybe something's not. You're just kind of, uh, you're not sure, but there's, a malevolence in here that is also out of your control. It it so it's it works in that way, but maybe more as a movie than a thing that you're 
controlling very slowly as you're walking around Mm -hmm. you you play as a character for the most part who is in communication with another character so you do have a dialogue running back and forth which again is probably a good thing for some of these long stretches while you're walking so there is kind of communication they have a, a nice rapport back and forth a banter um though maybe they keep it a little too lighthearted for when things are pretty serious and dire but they kind of address that and they're like look i'm just trying to keep things a little lighthearted here because things are bad mm-hmm. um but yeah i i don't i don't hate it i just think um <laughs> that walk stuff is just frustrating um it's not the end of the world uh i think i would have enjoyed the game just a little bit more if I felt like I wouldn't be punished for going the wrong way. It Uh, feels to me like they wanted to do something a little outside the realm of what is normally considered for this kind of space horror. Like you said, it's more of a thriller than it is like an action or a horror game. And I feel like it sounds like they just kind of ran up against some limitations that they weren't quite sure how to solve. Yeah, I don't know. Again, the running thing could be a technical limitation, or it could be an atmospheric choice. I, I really, I, I really sure. don't know. Uh, it could be a thing where, like, again, like, look, we're we're trying to have you in a world that could truly exist. You wouldn't be half jogging everywhere. Uh, which, sure, I get it. But for the sake of this thing, you wind up opening areas almost Resident Evil style with with card keys and things. So you open up more areas as you go, and it tells you where to go generally. But you can get lost in the map and be like, ugh okay i gotta go back this way and everything takes a little bit too long even walking upstairs takes a little bit too long to go through the other thing i'll say mechanically which i think actually is a bad bad thing really the most most kind of um actiony stuff you have are quick time events and they put up those prompts very quickly during things that are i missed probably 80 percent of them there didn't seem to be any fail state also it just mostly seemed like you just don't uh, say you're in a fight with somebody, you don't land the punch that you you may have landed in the scene, but you're going to wind up in the same place anyway. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. Like, like okay, because uh, I reloaded one four times to be like, okay, would this change if I actually hit all of these quick time events? And it did not seem like it. It's you okay. just you just like more like okay, look, I landed two punches, but my character's still going to get um, beat up anyway. You know, in, in this, um, there's no way to stop this from happening. That's, that's a little disappointing. Yeah, but it, you know, like I said, it's the interactivity isn't there. It's more there for this is more a cinematic game, and a, you're controlling a character through the cinematic experience more than like a Dead Space or your or um, uh, Brad. What's the other one that the, the Dead Space like that just came out? Uh, Callisto Protocol. Yeah, mm-hmm. Callisto Protocol. It's not that kind of space station game. This is more gotcha. and I and Alex, I feel like you and I played a lot of these at Giant Bomb East. Like there are a lot of like, hey, go into space on this abandoned space station and we're gonna have a thriller. Uh, yeah, no and, one wants to have a good time on a space station in video no. games anymore. Yeah. So like you know, I played a decent amount in this vein. This is probably the least traditional gameplay puzzle stuff uh, of Okay. Them. So Fort Solace, it's 25 bucks on the pc i think it's on sale on steam now too but it's 30 bucks if you get it on the playstation um, okay that's a choice you're gonna have to make because if you want to play this game because again at last i saw on the pc maybe there are some technical problems with it at least people were saying it's at least not optimized for people with pretty strong computers they seem to be running into some problems i didn't run into many problems on the playstation 5 so maybe that's what my extra five dollars got me it's just it's interesting to me because that game 
you know, it, everything they've shown of it has been very cast focused. Like, look at these actors, look at this, you know, like, look at the fidelity we were able to render these actors in. And I feel yeah. like they have talked precious little about everything else going on in that thing. They're kind of trading on the strength of we got some good mocap and we're doing space freaky stuff. Have fun. And I feel like maybe a lot of people were walking into this expecting it to be like Dead Space or something, and it, it is very clearly not. It is very clearly not. If I had to give this like a rating out of five, since you know I did finish it once through, didn't get everything, but I would say it's probably a three. But maybe, maybe you can, depending on how much you're into cool sci-fi shit, closer to a three and a half, four. But I do really like their art design, their production, and the world they've built, and and I do think their performances are are good. Okay. Um, so, I mean that does go a, lot, a, a decent way for yeah. me at least. Like I liked, I liked peeking around and looking at their world and their their quarters and their like it's really good. Kudos to that team. Like it's, I, I can't say enough things about how cool I think the stuff they built is in that world. It is also very interesting that apparently like ten people made this game because usually when you fi- hear about small teams, it's usually not something that is like trying to work at this level of fidelity. It's self-contained. It mm-hmm. is, it is high fidelity, small scope kind right. of thing. You know. Uh, also when those credits go by, oh, it's not 10 people. It might be 10 people core on that team. I'm saying that's the core yeah. team. Yes. Yeah. So I'm not saying, look, every small development team <laughs> usually has at least a few contractors working yeah. for them as well. It was a pretty long credit scroll with a bunch of, uh, other groups that had worked on it. Got uh, it. That's Fort Solis. That's available now. Curious what other people think out there aside from the technical stuff. Like, again, I, I kind of dug what it was. It just, I think it ran into some gameplay issues that weren't, that were more annoying, annoying than atmospheric. Sure. Uh, the other thing, uh, I'll quickly touch on here, uh, is immortals of avium. The other game I just talked about, uh, getting into. So I've, I've only made it past the tutorializing stuff, or (laughs) I think I'm in the second batch of tutorializing. If I'm going to be honest, uh, I made it past the, uh, late title card. So I got, I got into the, past the setup i'm now my character jack who's uh jack's back and he's ready to take on the worlds of avium i don't is, know is jack sure. generic video game protagonist guy uh jack is jak if that says anything mm-hmm. uh, jack specific uh jack jack seems all right i kind of right. like i kind of like jack so far at least in the in the setup stuff um there's there's just there's a specific voice that goes along with the archetype that I'm thinking of that I feel like there are probably at least three or four different working actors that can all all of whom can produce it. Oh, absolutely. On command where I could barely tell them apart. So Jack's pretty young. Jack's Jack's a little more in line with um and and a little sassy, maybe a little Okay, this is going to sound bad and Tell me about not, the sass. It's not like the um like the uh uh the the one where the the woman from New York gets transported into the uh, the medieval world. For yeah, it's not that level of sass. Okay, but but Jack is like reluctant hero. He's like, what? Do we, why? Why would I go and engage on this grand quest? I would never do this. You got to be bananas to do this. And you know, and forty five minutes later, finally, a protagonist asks the tough questions. <laughs> yeah, forty five minutes later, you are on your path to doing this thing uh, and engaging in this. Got it. In this war. Uh, you know, for probably pretty obvious reasons, if you were to think about it for two seconds of like, you know, uh, uh, hero's journey style shit, you mm. can't go home. Uh, it's kind of a neat setup for the world. It seems fairly original. Like, uh, there's this like rift, this, this giant chasm in this world that is like an endless chasm that is growing. And as these, uh, this is a, uh, if you've seen any of the promotional materials, this is a world infused with magic, um, 
and there are these nations that are fighting uh, for control of the magic as this chasm is spreading, and one group has pretty much dominated all the others and is taking over, and uh, you're kind of with the last group that's going to be, as far as I can tell, again, for only from uh, an hour plus into it, um, what's going on there. Got it. Uh, I don't. I haven't engaged in any of the comboing magic stuff yet, so I will. Is that in there though? Like, do you know that it's in there? I do not do, know do that if that's in, to it. I thought I thought that was in the promotional materials of like do a thing, switch to a different magic, do a thing to combo it. But I, I cannot say for sure. I have not gotten that far. Uh, they do have a colorblind settings out of the gate, which made me stop for a second and was like, oh man. Is this going to be one of those games that is super reliant on what color magic? Like, hey, you got to hit the thing with the right color magic thing. Mm -hmm. I think it might be. Okay. I did not turn the colorblind settings on yet, uh, but I could see in some of the tendrils of magic already. I think some are red and some are green in ways that might be uh, be a little And I'm guessing there isn't a colorblind setting in there? No, no. Like I said, the colorblind setting comes in where you usually get that brightness setting thing uh, yeah. out of the gate before you even start the game, the auto setting, there's a colorblind thing that comes up uh, out of the gate that's like, hey, do you need to turn this on? Okay. Yeah, I mean, ju- judging by the material they've put out, I mean, you've played it, I've just seen trailers and stuff, but that magic is very bright and very colorful. Yeah, it's. It, I, I generally don't like turning the filter on right away because, th- especially the one that they seem to have, which it puts a filter on everything, and actually everything winds up looking a little weird to me. It's not just doing certain colors that it just puts this like weird filter over everything. So I didn't turn it on. We'll see if it becomes an issue or not. Um, I thought it was funny though. Like when you put that up, <laughs> like mm-hmm. auto put that up. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've got a trailer running. There is like a cinematic shot in this trailer of just like a flyover of a landscape uh-huh. with red, green, and blue tendrils yes. of magic just fucking everywhere. Yeah. So those are the ley lines in the game. Those are the okay. things that you are carry the magic around. And that's, yes. So the red and the green, actually, the red didn't look as vibrant as I thought it could have. Let's just say in that. It's probably the same cinematic I saw from the intro. Um, so we'll see where it goes. I'm going to play more of it. Like I, yeah, I, I was, I, was going to ask that. That's, I guess that's the question. Is it, did it hook you in the first like hour? Um, it, it kind of did. I, I actually, I, I kind of liked what they were setting up. I, I kind of liked Jack for the character, uh, um, thing or setup they were doing. I didn't mind him. It could fall apart. I don't know. I kind of want to just get more into the combat and see what it actually involves. Um, versus, you know, currently it's just been shooting magic darts out of my hand. We'll see. Very early on. Uh, I, I have no idea. I know some reviews have come out and they've been a bit middling. Um, but I, I'm not sure. I didn't actually read through. I've just seen some buzz about it. I don't know if it's story, mechanics, or it seems what. like the gameplay stuff. From what I, mm. from the couple of reviews I read, it seems like the combat has just not really been doing it for people. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I have to see. I played it on the. Like I said, I played it. Oh, I didn't actually say. I played it on the PC. Uh, I played with a controller. Though I might switch the mouse aim, it feels like maybe that would be from what I've played so far, or I can tune the controller a bit. It seems a little loose with the controller. I was overshooting targets quite a bit when I was trying to aim. Uh, that's Immortals of Avium. That's sixty bucks uh, out now, or at least it was on, on the PC. Sixty bucks. Uh, Alex Navarro. Let's talk about Madden. Yep, John Madden's back. What's up with Madden? Still making games. Leave. Well. I mean, 
left left he left us mortals yes he's left them yeah he's he's now one of the immortals of avium he's out there <laughs> fucking you know like throwing turduckins at magical turduckins at people um yeah so look i mean i'm not gonna sit here for and rap too long about this because look it's a fucking madden game you kind of know what you're getting into here's the here's the quick bullet points okay give me them bullet points they did a bunch of animation work. They're they're building on a lot of the tackle and uh, you know sort of like catch animation stuff they were doing last year. They've they've apparently fleshed a lot of that stuff out. Did I immediately notice that playing the new one uh, here and there? Not not a great deal, but as I played more and more of it, I start to notice a little bit more of it. Is the gameplay generally okay? Is the gameplay generally okay? <laughs> yes. Okay. I have not run into many bugs, though I have seen some reports that uh, some of the uh, the old standbys are still around, uh, <laughs> but I have not run into them myself, I will just say. Uh, the menus fucking suck. Um, Is that all- new? No, they've been bad for a while, but like, I don't remember them ever being this sluggish before. Oh, okay. They've always been kind of slow, but it feels like just moving from thing to thing in that game sucks, and... So the other notable thing about that is that I'm playing this on PC for the first time in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not played a PC Madden in ages. Um, it's not like it used to be back in the day where there's like a slightly different version of Madden or like an older version of Madden. They're just throwing out onto the PC. No, it's it's you know it's part and parcel with everything else that they do in the console versions. It's just that game. Um, it's a weird feeling though, because Madden feels like one of those things that is meant to live on a console, and putting on a computer is somehow unholy. Uh huh. But that's yeah, not like true. When, when you said you were playing Madden on PC, like I did a double take of like, wait. I mean, of course they would do that, but really, like Madden on a PC is that actually a thing? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's feature complete. It's the exact same game. You know, it's just one of those things of like, I'm so used to playing it on consoles that like the idea of playing it on a computer feels wrong. But it's a perfectly serviceable way to do it. But still, running into those incredibly sluggish menus when I'm playing on the computer. Mm. feels especially egregious like i know i'm not like i know we're not in the you know the ps5 super hard drive fucking no loading world over here but it should still be relatively snappy i would feel like because this is not a a underpowered machine and it just feels like their menu design and whatever responsiveness they have programmed into it is just not there i want to say okay that's a bummer because you want a snappy Madden. Everyone wants a snappy Madden. Yeah. It's, I uh, want to yell boom and then be in the next, man, <laughs> yeah. next menu. Uh, uh, and <laughs> sluggish menus in general just fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I will I, say, I remember playing Madden on the PC ages ago, like Commodore 64 style PC, but it surely didn't launch. Um, it surely wasn't around. It wasn't originally PC stuff, right? It must have been. Console. I want to say the original John Madden football might have been on the computer. Uh, you mean original? Original? I don't know. Or, or, or I it's feel weird. Like- I I've mentioned this somewhere recently. I just listened to like an hour, like a pretty, like a two hour long interview with Trip Hawkins, where he talked very extensively about the birth of the Madden franchise. Yeah. Um. Maybe, maybe yeah, you're right. It Gosh, was I, the original yeah, John okay. Madden football yes. was totally on. Yes, it was on right. MS DOS. Uh, of course, the uh, the Apple II and the Commodore. Okay, the one the one that he talked the most about on PC was the what was the um was it Doctor J and Larry Bird? Uh, they, that was the head. That was the big rivalry, right? Yes. At the time, 
like their their one on one basketball game was like their first like huge sports game on computer. I think. Yeah. And once by the time you got to the Madden stuff, it was much more focused on the Genesis because they were trying to really establish dominance on the Genesis to the point of reverse engineering the Genesis and daring Sega to sue them for it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to derail this. No, by yes, all means, you're, you're you're right. They were they were going hard on on PC sports at the time. No, I totally forgot about that. Derail away because there's actually precious little else to report <laughs> on. Is from what I've played at Madden so far. Um, you know, there is a career mode if you want to do that. Though they have dialed apparently it back a considerable amount from like those super narrative heavy ones they were doing for a few years there. Uh, I don't play that mode, so I, I haven't really engaged. I, that's the thing. I I don't. I have a thing that I like to do in each sports game. In Madden, it's usually just franchise, and that's kind of what I do. Uh, in the NHL games, I usually play the career mode because mm. you can, you know, it, it's not very narrative heavy, but there's some fun stuff you can do around the edges of that. In NBA, it's usually the career mode because their franchise mode is fucking impenetrable, and as always has been to me. Mostly because the NBA business system is also impenetrable. Contracts in the NBA make no fucking sense to me. The way trades work in the NBA make no fucking sense to me. So it's just, they're recreating that in a way that still makes no sense to me. Um, But I've just never really, like, other than the few, uh, uh, like, the first super narrative heavy one they did with Madden, I just don't care about the career modes in these mm. games. Uh... But, you know, where I'm playing it, like, again, the game seems pretty good on the field. I don't know if I'm going to start running into issues at some point. They added a little fucking, uh, you know, quick time meter now for uh, passing accuracy if you want it. You can also turn that off if you don't want to do it. Okay. But the feel of the football on the field is, is, is fine from what I've played so far. I would not call this a massive leap from what last year's game was, though. Your your What's field up, sense seems okay? Yeah, that's... What's up? What's up? What's up with the hit stick? <laughs> you can still hit dudes with a stick if you want. All right, you got a okay, truck stick. Good. It's good. not as emphatic as it used to be. They've kind of focused things <laughs> elsewhere, but hit stick ain't what it used to be. Yeah. No, it's you know, look, they don't have that fucking vision cone anymore either. Um, I was looking up the. I couldn't remember the title cards we had during something where they were promoting Madden, but uh, maybe it was a trailer we watched during the Planorama. Uh, Sapien technology, yes, right? Sapien technology, right? Dude, Alex, is that what does that even mean to you? <laughs> for Madden, do you? Do it they, has a lot to do with how they render bodies and skeletons, and kind of how they move and how they bend. Uh, okay, because a lot of that it ties into the tackling and new animations and that stuff, and also like the way catchers catch and all that kind of stuff. Um, again, this is the kind of nitty gritty stuff that like hardcore <laughs> football nerds will probably drill down on in a major way for me. It's like, Oh, those tackles look good. Sure. Because they do, they do actually look pretty good. Um, great. I mean, it was, I, it was years ago. Madden got to that state where if I walked into a room, it could take me, uh, a second to realize if it's a video game or watching a real football game. Like right. that's. The, the the kind of two things happened. Madden got really good looking mm. and also NFL broadcast in HD, so it's like got that ultra sharp quality to it already. Yeah. And and started using like drone shots and yeah. those line yes. those line cameras and stuff. So the perspectives even started getting more video game like. Totally. And the graphics on the field, uh overlays on yes. the field. Uh so yeah. Um I'm glad Alex, it sounds like aside from maybe some of the UI and um, you know, menu stuff, it sounds like so far. You're mad. It's all right. Again, a, I would not recommend anyone run right out and buy it right away. You know, as with Madden, you tend to notice these things as you play it for a few weeks. So 
I'd say the jury's still out, but right now I have not run into much that was like problematic other than the menu stuff. It's not a not a snappy Madden, but a functional Madden. <laughs> so far, yes. I you may not know this, so I'll just throw this out there. Do you know if it's when you launched it, did it launch like an EA it's EA thing that then ties into EA Friends and it's crossplay? Yes, yeah, so that's the thing is well, I don't know about crossplay, but I will say that um the thing you have to do, because I got it through the Epic Store. Uh, yeah. is this that, happened with Immortals, by the way, as well. Yeah, is that when you download it through the Epic Store, it still has to run the EA client yeah. uh, every time. Yeah, it's the Steam. EA releases on Steam are the same way when I played um, Jedi Survivor on the PC earlier this year. Same exact thing. Yeah. And okay. I think when I uninstalled the game, it left the client installed. The uh, other is it called is this, is it still called Origin on Epic? I think they've renamed it to like the EA Desktop client. Yes. I think on Steam yeah. now. It's just the EA client now. I was wondering if that's how they match make between consoles and PC or if they do that or not. I will say the other fun side of that is that if you try to launch it directly from the EA thing, you still have to run Epic as well. Oh, really? Okay, yes. like there's some kind of rights management happening Whatever there. rights management is happening there, they require both clients be open. Otherwise, uh, no game. <laughs> no no game, game for you. No dice. Okay, a foul. Yeah. Uh, that is Madden NFL 24 currently available seventy dollars i think no matter where you're shopping for your your madden nfl 24 yeah uh i have a couple of quick hits here that i can run down uh i played more vampire survivors on the xbox this time with my kids they enjoyed it uh as well i really actually the more i play of it the more i dig what they did there it's been a lot of fun even playing with them uh we've had some like good progress that game just mm -hmm. has a has a great treadmill uh, I'm, I'm saying still we need to stream some more of that because unlock more stuff there was demand when we finished that stream for more of it and i would absolutely play more of that even even like it like i said last week played the beginning of that game like four times now and i still totally want to do it again look the kids and i beat a level all right we're already past where right. we, we got we gotta we gotta catch up great job uh, that that's the vampire survivors they have the the co-op uh out now uh for wherever you play or vampire survivors it sounds like I have to blame you guys and also the makers of Vampire Survivors for, uh, I had a brief lull with that game, and then we played that co-op together, and now I'm back to playing at least a few runs a week, so. Great. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, I played more Moving Out, too. That game continues to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, no updates really there, except that I really like Moving Out, too. And you guys played a little bit of it on that uh, grab bag stream. Yeah, with you. Yeah. Um, it's got online uh, co-op. So you can get your moving out friends together to move out. Uh, and Baldur's Gate 3, the game I continue to play the most of uh, currently. Um, I am probably, my plan to get through Baldur's Gate 3 before Starfield is not going to come to fruition, or has not come to okay. fruition. Um, where, where are you at, act-wise? Act-wise, I'm in Act 2, but I am taking my time just kind of exploring Act 2. Um, and I have not... I assume i will get there but i have not gotten to the titular Baldur's gate yet so i will say uh, and i'm not, I'm not I, I have no details here to provide but i will say i've heard from a few people that the last act is not the strongest act of that yeah game. Not, not even just that like there, there is kind of a turn going on with that game like Eurogamer's review of that game was really good mm -hmm. um might be worth i mean you're playing through it so you don't need to read it but uh i found it pretty illustrative and i've seen the same thing echoed quite a bit elsewhere like Act 3 in particular, but also Act 2 to an extent. People just say the scope of the game gets much smaller. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and the possibilities seem more limited in terms of 
how to approach things. And some of it sounds like it's just bugs of like quest logic kind of tripping over itself, you know, in terms of like, oh, that character shouldn't have known that already, but they needed him to know it here. So he, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and, then I'll, and then I'll get a scene later where he actually finds the information out or crap, like, you know, on and on stuff like that. But like the, the general impression I'm getting seems to feel like act one is really the best part of that game. And it makes me wonder if that being the early access content meant it got a lot more attention. Maybe it could also be a house of cards thing where by the act two, you have, you have a foundation of choices you've made already. And then Mm -hmm. you, you know, you don't pile on more there. You try to resolve because you set up a lot in act one. And then by act two, you're bringing a lot of act one with you into act two. Um, And so maybe they're like, you know, I've run into things with logic tripping up as well. Stuff I've had to look up online. That's like, Oh no, you take this character back to this earlier place and run through this quest again. And then his exclamation point will go away magically. Um, or like dialogue thing. That's like, dude, I've talked to you five times. You've had this conversation five times. You should know this by now. So I I've had that stuff, but I'm still really enjoying it. Uh, uh, very much so. And the only things I, I would say, really bug me about that game are there are points of no return that the game kind of explicitly states for you i do wish it had a little bit of that diablo 4 style hey this quest spans act one and act two don't worry about it or this quest will go away if you if you move into this next point of no return so um i do wish it kind of told you a little bit more because i'm the kind of person that i'm not going to go through that point of no return until i know exactly what I'm giving up or if, uh, if these quests will resolve and so, sometimes it's not explicit and it mm. just says like, I don't know this quest, uh, may or may not work. I don't know. So that stuff kind of b- bums me out a little bit. Cause sometimes you put a lot of time into a quest and you're like, am I just going to go through this door and, and drop everything? If I'm going to walk through this door and then like half the world's going to explode, and I won't be able to go back here. I don't know. Uh, so it's a balancing act between, I guess, spoiling some stuff and then, you know, uh, being s- satisfied. Hmm. let's say but Baldur's Gate 3 continues to be uh, one of my favorite things I've played this year and uh, I I very much enjoy it people sure are horny for that vampire elf oh yeah oh really oh yeah oh yes no the thirst is real man I thought I thought people would be uh, going I really like Carlock uh, uh, the other character in it uh, I've seen that name um, people like the demon lady too yeah that's Carlock she's cool look I'm a demon lady too Mm-hmm. Like we have got a lot in common. Uh, I think I'm also like the taller version. So she's like not even that big compared to me. Like we're both as very tall uh, uh, tieflings. Uh, that's about it. Game wise. Um, like, like Brad, you said before, we've got uh, Starfield in hand now. I think we're, we're kind of going to shift gears a bit to try and plug away at that as much as we can before. Yeah, pretty much my, my game time is a bit sporadic while I'm out of town, but all of my, available time has been going into that yeah so uh we'll have a lot more to say about that next week yes um um, when when the embargo is up and just a reminder if you're up to this point and you missed some of it before we'll be holding that podcast for thursday's uh, noon embargo for that game all right we're gonna take a break we're gonna come back and talk about the news stick around this week's show is brought to you by Factor, Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Do you guys know what Factor is? 
<laughs> I do. I thought you were about to ask if I knew what food is. Do you also know what food is? I've heard of it. It sounds and cool. Do you know what food can be? Factor's here. Factor's here to tell you what food is and can be. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. We've gotten some Factor before. I've actually mm -hmm. found it to be quite tasty and delicious and convenient. Um, mm -hmm. You can put it in the toaster oven, put it in the microwave. I did the toaster oven. It was ready. I think in the toaster oven was ready between like 10, 15 minutes. Pretty quick. You can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. You can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Ooh, you can treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not that regular butter. Truffle butter. Round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, ooh, potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Oh man, oh, Factor, man. what are you, what are you doing to me, Factor? With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash nextlander50 and use code nextlander50 to get 50% off. That's code nextlander50 at factormeals.com slash nextlander50 to get 50% off potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Thanks, Factor. All right, we are back. And it's been a little bit. We're in the news segment now. It's been just just a touch. I don't know if we actually did cover Activision, Blizzard, Microsoft News last week. But fear not. That's right. Brad Shoemaker. There's you, always something. You have uh, pulled the news for this week. Should we yeah. you want to start in Microsoft? A lot of news this week. Try to get through it expeditiously. There's some quick hits in here. Uh, the only update on Activision Blizzard is that they have offered <laughs> the the uh, the carve out foretold in prophecy by Michael Pactor. <laughs> yeah, in the UK uh, about streaming rights, which I think wasn't he. He's been banging that drum for months, right? He was like, "Oh, they're probably gonna have to make a concession to the UK." about streaming to get this through i mean it seemed like what they were held up on they, in terms of their uh, regular uh, regulatory bodies they they have announced a plan to uh hand the streaming rights for activision blizzard games off in the uk to ubisoft it's what kind of, okay kind of wild i think off air bread we were talking about is this one of those things we look back on many years from now and say oh right yes this was this was published on the streaming service by ubisoft yes but it's a microsoft game Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like Ninja Turtles on the NES was put out by Ultra, not by Konami. <laughs> right. Yes, because yeah. of the whole allotment of games. That, yes. yes. Uh, Diablo 6 yeah, I mean, was put out by you know Ubisoft on their streaming thing, but right. not on the disc. On the disc, it's Microsoft. Yeah. yeah like the, the only thing there for me is that streaming is so ephemeral that nobody it's possible nobody will remember in 15 years 
who streamed what because mm-hmm. that service may have been offline for long enough. It's not like there's a box people can go back and look at, you know. True. Uh, it's possible that th- those games won't be on offer on streaming anymore. It's or, hard to say. or in 15 years or fewer, Microsoft might own Ubisoft. Who knows? Yes, also possible. I mean, I mean, if they're going to get this deal through, what's going <laughs> to stop them after this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ubisoft is def- not nearly as big as Activision for sure. Um, that's kind of that's kind of it. That's they've proposed that deal, and the UK's CMA still has to consider it. Yes. They're launching a new inquiry to consider this proposal. They say it'll be done by, or they expect the first phase of it to be done by the 18th of October deadline for closing the deal. So, A couple of uh, other quick things here, just to bullet point it. Um, I think you might have mentioned, but it's for 15 years. It's the streaming stuff, not, not yeah, physical. If I, if I understood the wording, it is for all games put out in the next 15 years, but in perpetuity for those games, I believe like I think Ubisoft retains the streaming rights for the next 15 years worth of releases in perpetuity, but then games after 15 years, they would not. So is is how I read that on this games industry biz verbiage. They say they will have cloud streaming rights for all current and new Activision blizzard games released for PC and console, including any releases over the next 15 years. Okay. Ubisoft yes. will be able to commercialize and license the cloud gaming versions of any of these titles, adding them to any other cloud gaming services around the world, including ones operating on non-Windows operating systems. And all of this, again, an effort by Microsoft to kind of appease the CMA, uh, the competitive competition and markets authority in the UK. Yeah. To say, yeah like, what? <laughs> what monopoly? Yeah, well, you know, like it makes sense, like giving those rights to a company like Ubisoft who doesn't have their own streaming service. Like Microsoft would want to keep those rights proprietary yeah. to strengthen their own streaming service. But Ubisoft has an incentive to get those games onto every streaming platform they can. PlayStation Now, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's where that is. It's interesting. Who knows if that'll get, get pushed through, but it seems likely that this is going to happen. Uh, Ubisoft eventually. would also be making like a one-time drop of cash to, to Microsoft uh, yeah. for this deal. So it's not it's not just them doing this benevolent, you know, no. hey, get us out of this sticky wicket, so to speak. So, well, yeah, I think more to see on that. Uh, if that pushes things through, but yeah, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure, I'm sure this, I'm sure Microsoft sees this as a small price to pay. Do you feel like they wouldn't have gone ahead with this or announced this publicly if they didn't have faith that this is going to go through? It seems uh, like kind of a, kind of a big deal to announce if they, there's probably a million other things that they were proposing that they already got back room rejected on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I would assume this seems pretty likely to happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's the Microsoft stuff. Uh, uh, how about 360 stuff? That's the that's the current Microsoft Activision Blizzard stuff, Brad. Yeah, 360. I can't believe this day finally. Well, it hasn't come yet, but it will on July 29th next year. This was bound to happen eventually. They are shutting down the Xbox 360 marketplace. Yeah. <sighs> like, you will no longer be able to buy anything that was sold on the 360 online as of that date. Yep, I... I don't have the math in front of me, so feel free to say actually this is I'm way off on this. But I think so far of all the online marketplaces that have shut down from a console or PC platform or anything like that, this might be the most voluminous in terms of oh, like easily. what was there. Easily. You know, like what's it been so far? It's been like the DS 
eShop, right? Yeah. And the Wii and Wii U. They kill Wii U as well. I, I think remember. they are killing Wii U if they haven't already. I think that might be on the way. I think they s- yeah, like, stopped being able to add money to it at yeah. some point. And, yes, and, and Sony tried to. Remember, Sony was going to shut down. Like, yes. What was it, PS3 and Vita, I think, and they kind of gave it a stay mm. after the outcry. This one always, to me, was the one, though, yeah. that was just like, this was the thing that drove online. That's right. Video game commerce originally. Like, this, this was the big one. This is the not teetering the, not point. The, not that those other services are not important. They definitely also had, you know, plenty of their own exclusive content, but this one is just huge. There's so much that was on there. Um, Especially, you know, I, I, we should probably just make a distinction for anybody who cares because I'm sure somebody's shouting some PC marketplace that went under well, yeah, a bunch of things. But yeah. this is on console where you might not be able to get these games in other marketplaces or anywhere else. Yeah, it's it's harder because consoles are closed systems, right? You yeah. can't just like copy the install directory off or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, there are other ways on PC to get things that uh, have not been preserved legally. Well, yes, but, right, yes. The, even that, right? I was going to say sometimes those games are just released in uh, like infinite marketplaces too on PC. Yeah. But here, yeah, yeah you're, you're gonna lose access to buying a not insignificant amount of titles. Yeah, of course they. Of course they say you can still download anything you own. I mean, it would be riots if that <laughs> was not the case. But it's it's a lot of games, but it's also a lot of DLC. Like I feel like the focus has largely been on the games that will go off of, mm. or that will no longer be for sale. But there's so much DLC out there also that is like some pretty significant content. Should I go buy horse armor before this happens? I, I think I might. I think I might go. Let me get. Do you own horse armor? I don't think I own the horse armor. Don't? But but okay. Man. Well, here's the thing. Like Skyrim has been out there on a billion different things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like is horse armor just integrated in one other one of those gold editions it, somewhere it's else? Probably or? included. I think didn't did they even make a joke out of it at some point? I think like, did some they actually other make a joke have. in some like the anniversary well, I mean in one of their oh. subsequent maybe they don't have that much of a sense of humor about it. Yeah, um know. But I mean, in that case, I'm sure, I'm sure that that content is available in other versions of the game. Like in that case, it's just, that's such an infamous yeah. one that I kind of want to own it for that reason. You think it's discounted? Um, last time I looked at it, it was, was it 15 actually, bucks? I mean, my, my, no, no, no. Was it, it was five? pretty cheap. Okay. It was under five bucks. Well, maybe with inflation, the tail has grown in my head. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of stuff. Um, you, you linked the thing from video game, uh, games chronicle that has a big list of, of titles and even they say look a bunch of these titles have been released in other versions whether they're brought forward or ports. yeah i uh, i don't disagree with them but they they also do make the point here they say it could be argued that game preservation isn't a selective process and that every version of a game is of equal importance that's right yeah and yeah. i kind of agree i, I also agree with that but it, like, just in terms of being able to play the game in in another place some of them will be able to be played some not though and like, like they, they did it Right, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, if I'm real here, like I'm looking over this list of games, and there's very little that is actually on here that is like something I'm like hurt to lose access to, you know, from a storefront. Like the idea of you know losing access to these various versions of Risk or whatever, like is not really doing a lot for me. But the reality, despite that fact, my my staunch opinion is that every version of these games should be available somewhere to experience right. in one way or another. And I understand the realities of maintaining marketplaces like this and different servers for different platforms and all that kind of stuff, and really, it's like, who the fuck is buying 360s at this point? But 
you know, when you turn this stuff off, you are essentially saying this stuff no longer exists. And I think that is where I say to myself, well, someone, if there, if it were up to me, and it's definitely not, my response to that would be, well, this stuff should be up for, you know, emulation somewhere then. You know, there should be an access point for these kinds of things. And it's just, you know, I unfortunately, it's not up to me. Yeah, well, we, so we should be specific here. This list that they provided, they basically did a breakdown of games that came out on the 360 are not available for backwards compatibility right. on Xbox One and Series. Um, they did not select for games that got a re-release as native SKUs on those platforms. Right. So, like, for example, like, I saw State of Decay on this list, the first one. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Right. But then I remembered they put out a native Xbox One version of that game with all the DLC and right. it runs better and blah, blah, blah. So like a ton of these games on here are available on other platforms, even other Xbox platforms, but that's still, you have to buy it again. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and a lot of, in some cases, I think they'll have offered a cheap or free upgrade. Oh, I if you, s- if they can I, tell if you had it and yeah, I don't know if state of decay was one of those. Actually, that, that may be a rarity now that I think about it. Maybe that was actually not common for those to be free from 360 to, to Xbox one. Like I'm, I'm looking at this, some of these games inevitably didn't come out somewhere else. There will be games on here <laughs> mm-hmm. that will just vanish to his, into history. And like you said, uh, DLC for certain games uh, also. It's I'm kind of yeah, with there's, you. There's so much DLC, man. I mean, I this mean, was the stuff. age of it, right? This was the well, uh, yeah, dude. I mean, all that fucking rock band stuff. That was the 360 PS3 <laughs> era is where all that stuff first landed. So um, the um, I'm kind of with you, Alex, on uh, on like. Look, if you're not monetizing these versions anymore, could you flip a switch and just say, I don't know, if you plug in your Xbox, like, there's probably an argument there, but then they are selling versions other places, and I don't know, man, like, I don't know, what do you do with this stuff? What do you do with this stuff? How do you get it out there to be able to be played? I mean, again, and then rights issues also get into a lot of this stuff. Like, there are certain things that you just can't f- float up elsewhere because rights have expired, deals have expired, and that's a whole other ball of wax, you know, of companies signing licensing deals for certain p- aspects of their content that they do not intend to renew at any point, which essentially makes, you know, getting access to that version of the game, you know, ephemeral. And I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know what the solution to any of this stuff is. Like, I... I, it bums me out every time it happens, but I also recognize that like there is not a business case for keeping storefronts like this open in perpetuity. But it just feels like one of those things that like as this problem continues to snowball and we get further and further away, you know, that's just more stuff that essentially just gets thrown into the background and is never accessible again unless someone finds a way to emulate it somewhere. Yeah, and and again, it's look. You can you can if you own it, you can download it. There's no announcement here about turning off those servers. But these games, most of these things that we're talking about are, are things that aren't available on disc, right? So if somebody right. says, "Hey," or if we're if we're doing a thing, let's say for work, and like, "Oh, we should really check out the 360 version of this thing." If one of us didn't buy it, it's not like we can go to eBay or a secondhand store and go get a copy of the 360 version of that game. And that's no. that's kind of where it starts coming into problems because it's there are plenty of times we go back with stuff and we're like let's check out the different versions of this game and so not having ex- access there you know it's a little chilling it's it's, it's I, to feel that i found it i found one a relatively conspicuous one to me hybrid from fifth cell the scribble knots developer uh-huh mm-hmm. it was part of summer of arcade i think but did we just talk about this game recently in the last few months for some weird D- reason did we 
It's a third-person multiplayer shooter, XBLA, where you can only move between cover. It's like Gears of War style snap to cover, but you can't get off the cover. You can only like rocket to other cover. Yes. So it's like, I kind of like like this this game. It's this like kind of like interesting tactical (laughs) team based third person shooter. Yes. Which now that I look at it, never came to another platform and is on this list. So hybrid will no longer be available anywhere. I was sitting in this basement 11 years ago (laughs) when we got codes for that for Summer of Arcade. I distinctly remember that game's kind of neat. Wow. And that that's just just a random example I found of uh, of a game that will no longer be available in any fashion, as far as I can tell, according to this. So what you're saying is go buy hybrid now. Yeah. Is it even playable? Well, it's probably peer to peer because it's Xbox Live. So I assume it's still playable. Uh Like I'm assuredly next summer are going to go on some tear of like people will definitely publish lists of like, mm. here's the best stuff expiring. Uh, presumably you'll be able to just buy it on the web. You won't have to get your 360 out of storage <laughs> to make, make purchases, but I'm sure I'm probably going to end up buying some stuff before it goes away forever. Yeah. I'll probably wind up doing the same dumb thing that I shouldn't do. Like I'm with you. Uh, because I'm a sucker too. <laughs> That's, yeah. um, yeah, so somebody publish a list of uh, a, a definitive list uh, of the top twenty that make sure to check out. I should probably get my three sixty out and just, or I should look at my rights management stuff and see what I have uh, that's not showing up on the Xbox One uh, backwards compatibility list. Yeah, yeah. the The hope, and I, God knows if this is actually going to happen or not, but the hope is that this is a one off on Microsoft's part and not something that is going to happen in a staggered fashion with every platform they put out, you know, like mm-hmm. hopefully it's not going to be like, okay, eight years from now, the Xbox one games no longer are purchasable because now they've just got like the Xbox platform, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the full compatibility from one to series and blah, blah, blah. And also on the P so, the PC parody on a lot of their right, releases. Right. So, and it, and it seems like they built, rebuilt their whole backend for one end going forward. So hopefully all the, everything after this is going to stay up for the foreseeable future. Maybe they get rid of the S versions. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, you know. That's how just, they get you. <laughs> we're going to get rid of it. All right. Uh, Brad, do you want to move on to uh, uh, Sony's uh, price? Yes. Sony has, has named and priced that portable PlayStation streaming doohickey, the giant screen in the middle of a DualShock. Mm-hmm. It's now called the PlayStation Portal. It's coming out later this year for $200. Yeah, it's still maybe a little high, That's, but it's, it's under like, where I thought it was going to come. Maybe yeah, not as bad as I thought it would be. I was kind of bracing for three hundred yeah. as at the as the worst case, but also thinking like, oh, ninety nine would be really much more palatable. Like, okay, sure, that kind of makes sense. Uh, this is like right in the middle, right, where it feels like it could have been more, but it's still kind of too expensive for what it is. I think. Yeah, I wonder how much the hardware is in this thing. Like, what kind of profit they're turning on this. I, it, I don't know. It's still a, a device that I don't think necessarily has a place in my home. I think for me, yeah. a Steam Deck is probably a little more in line, but also not 100% slam dunk for my household, where it's like, look, are there times in my household where I don't want to, or I'm not on the couch, or or somebody else is on the couch playing an Xbox, and I want to play my PS5 game? And I also don't want to just do it through any of the other methods that are available, which is like screen stream it to a laptop, which you can do and, and like, you know, use a Bluetooth controller. I don't know. I don't know. Like for me, it's more yeah. on the PC side. I have to be in the basement by the PC, which is not necessarily where I want to be in a steam deck, 
would be a thing that I would be like, oh, great, I can play this up in my bedroom or something like that. Uh, and because I'm a big Steam Link user, um, so I, I don't know. I don't think this is for me. I don't think I'm a day one purchaser of this. This also seems like I think that m- thing that might go on sale in like six months. Could see that like one forty nine. If this thing got fire sailed for like fifty bucks, I'd be there. Yeah, sure, exactly. Uh, that's not necessarily likely to happen. Do I love um, this? Do I still love the thing that looks like somebody split a controller in half and shoved the screen in there? Yes, I do. I totally do. Weird. It's weird looking. Uh, um, but do I wish you could take the screen out and accordion this thing down to just be a, a, a controller? I also do. This this seems like it's mostly for somebody who's just like deeply devoted to the PlayStation brand, and presumably this thing will just sync with the PS5 like dead simply. You know, I, I assume the onboarding for this will be maybe as easy as hooking up a USB cable to it and then getting it on your Wi-Fi and that's it or something. You know what I mean? Like pairing yeah. it. Like we're not typing in your password on yeah. this thing. Like if, if this is extremely, if it's seamless to just buy this and pair it with your PS5 and immediately go and people are super into PlayStation hardware and brand and so forth, I could yeah. see it making some sense. But but yeah, if, you're, if you've got a Steam Deck or you're using a tablet for this stuff already, like there are more robust or... Uh, more functional options out there that also will handle other services. I wonder if you can just use this thing as a, like if I were playing moving out, you think you could just use this thing as a second screen, uh, on a local probably, co-op game? Probably. I probably. Uh, yeah. Cause I would probably just pair with the system and show up to, as far as the system is concerned as another local controller. Yeah. And it would just be streaming to you at the same time. I wonder. Uh, yeah. Anyway, cool. Like, look good on them for not going to three hundred. Still a little rich yeah. for my blood, for for what this is. Oddity though, kind of kind of neat mm-hmm. little thing. I don't know if I have room in my oddity drawer next to my Stadia controller for this thing. Yeah. So, uh, two hundred bucks in the states at least. Two hundred USDs. Uh, sorry, Brad. Is there a date on that announcement as well? Uh, they just said later this year. Okay. Uh, all right. What's up next? Oh, uh, the old block. games yeah. are hotter than ever. It really feels like we're in, we're in a golden age of old games getting remastered and brought back and remade in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would draw a distinction here between say a six year old game versus uh, a 25 or 30 year old game. That would be fair. Cause there's plenty of six year old games also getting brought back, which mm, less defensible. <laughs> the seventh guest VR. Okay. This, this is a like wild I, one. I, I completely missed this back in June, apparently. I think this was maybe tied with the Meta Quest 3 announcement then, if I'm not mistaken. I did not see it also. Um, it's kind of back in the news because it just got a, an, an, a release date, which is October 19th, uh, and a pretty extensive new trailer. This looks wild. It looks good. It looks really good. They're doing FMV. Yep. Like, that's the whole thing here. Like, they did Mist in VR a couple years ago, and they ripped out all the FMV in that and replaced it with polygonal models of the people, which is not what I want out of a Mist remake. I mean, do I want a Mist remake at all? <laughs> that's hey, that's a valid but, question. But, like, if I was going to play an old Mist, you want the you want FMV in there. Uh, apparently, they have shot volumetric 3D video for this. That's great. Like, when I saw they were doing this, I was like... Well, do they just lock your perspective when they have FMV on the screen so you can't move around and reveal that they're just like giant sprites, essentially? But no, they have straight up shot these people with like 360 degrees of cameras. It 
and you are going to be able to walk around to these people as they play in FMV, and I cannot wait to see what that looks I like. I can't. So they don't show that off in this trailer. In the trailer, uh, it's yeah, mostly it's, stationary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also want to see how they do that. Plus, they just give you a, a cool ghost hand. like a- Yes. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they definitely took the the amazing, perhaps best cursor in history in an adventure game, the little skeleton hand finger waggy thing, and made that your in-game hands. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like they're doing all new puzzles for this. Thank God. <laughs> like more more VR. Like, like there's a lot of tactile stuff, a lot of manipulating machinery type more VR-esque puzzles. Like yeah. they've remade the mansion top to bottom as well, but it's really the video in this that I'm dying to see because I have never seen anything like that before. Yep. I'm very curious. Uh, and it looks from the trailer, the like they put this kind of wispy, smoky effect on the, the ghost yeah. thing. It looks good. I think it looks, it looks pretty it, It's pretty awesome. What they're doing with the video is like the only way they could have convinced me that it's okay to reshoot the video with new actors <laughs> because the questionable acting in the original is a big part of the charm. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they do with the but, little kid and the, the whole end scene in that game. Uh, yeah. Now we need a, now we need the, uh, what was it? The seventh guest uh, fan one in what? VR too. Oh God. What was that called? I can't remember, but it was good. Uh, this this looks cool. It's it's coming to all VR headsets, including PSVR two, which is good because I really could use an excuse to get that thing out again because mm-hmm. there haven't been a ton of them. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this uh, to yeah. see what it is. That looks rad. Um, Night dive getting a ton of work apparently. Uh-huh. They just announced this morning they're doing a remaster of Star Wars Dark Forces, like yeah. that Quake two, the Quake two remaster they just did barely is out. And they've already got Dark Forces coming. I'm trying to remember Dark Forces. I don't remember oh, that one super well. It is oh man. Dark it is Forces a, is, it's kind of a it, is a it is a classic of the nineties. A classic of the genre, let's say. So Brad. Oh, uh, this one. Okay. Yes, I, I never owned this one, but I remember this one. You I assume it ruled. you you watched you kind of went through some of this trailer, I assume. Yeah. Right? Yes. What it's, do you think of this redone art? Yeah, they're redoing all the cutscenes. Which yeah, I don't know. Those the LucasArts LucasArts 2D like animated cutscenes of that era are so iconic to me. Mm-hmm. Like they have such a specific style to them. They're pic- they're basically to- like raster pixel art. Uh, yeah, like- they're yes, they're like hand done pixel arts, but but animated like not super smoothly, but as smoothly as you could <laughs> realistically do with budgets of the era, right? Yeah. Uh, they're redoing all those in high res. I don't know. We'll but they're see. Smoothing it. It's like yeah, it's got it's got this so s- smooth- some of them. Okay. It the, seems like it seems like maybe not all of them. The ones they're showing off in this trailer, I'm not a huge fan of because they look so, a little too I like the pixel. I like the kind of raw pixely stuff. Oh, do you do you mean like they're up-resing or they're redoing them in high in high res- resolution? Is that I, what you're saying? I mean the the ones that like the the in the trailer they had with the the Vader talking to the commander uh where they like, Admiral Motts. I don't remember. I like where they show the original and they show the other one next to it. And it's like, Oh, this looks like it is redone and smoothed out. And like another yeah. pass on, I'm not a big yeah. fan of it. I don't, it looks like somebody re- Yeah, It looks like somebody repainted them basically Yeah, in the original style, but in 4k. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking at these comparison shots and I think I see what you're talking about. Like, no, but the, but the gameplay and everything else like that, uh, looks, um, looks great and up res and fine. Just, just those. I mean, I like the, I like the raw pixely stuff. 
I sure. understand why it would look like garbage at 4K and fitting in with the rest here, but yeah, um, this is a weird one because the Force engine exists, which is a fan-made rewrite of the engine for this game that already runs it at 4K. Mm. So, I mean, this this will inevitably have a bunch of cool extra features to it, and and is going to be a more professional thing. Like the Force engine is very homebrew, <laughs> but but like if you want if you want a modern rendering of dark forces but with the sh- shitty <laughs> low res original cutscene art yeah uh there's that so that's that's also an option i mean in this in uh, this thing um in their press release you know you're gonna get uh modern gamepad support quote you know and trophies yeah. and achievements and stuff yes this so, this yeah. this this will be a much more fully featured re-release of this game but but you can just like get a hold of the original game and run it with the force engine uh, if, you, if you want a slightly more raw experience uh dark forces is a great game uh, and buried They're in also, that thing too. Yeah. The, the yes. Turok three. <laughs> They're also doing Turok three. Oh man. Which I guess they had done the first two Turok games and I had forgotten about that. I, I mean, that, that, that Kex engine that seems to be doing some serious work for them, <laughs> uh, that they, that they have developed as a wrapper for, for these old games. Look, we, t- we just talked about versions of games and this is why it's sometimes important to also have those old versions still be yeah. available. If you know, yeah. Uh, this next one, uh, we have, you have here, Brad actually kind of got my, uh, let's just say my, uh, my gamer sense tingling. I, I, this looks nuts. This looks really cool. Like when I saw the headline, I was like, okay, sure. That makes sense. But then I actually looked at the work they're doing and I was like, oh my God, this is practically a full remake. Yes. Um, this seems to be a community run project, but NVIDIA seems to be promoting it pretty heavily. They are making Half-Life 2 ray traced. Yes. But in the process, apparently, basically remaking the entire game. Not graphically, not like game logic and stuff is all going to be the same. Um, But they're doing it with RTX Remix, the same thing that they used to do the Portal uh, ray traced stuff last fall. Which was pretty cool. Yeah. But if you get in here and like look, the the blog post that NVIDIA put up has a trailer and a bunch of side-by-sides of stuff. They appear to be remodeling and retexturing literally the entire game. It's they have those little slider things where you can move the thing yeah. around. It's pretty wild. It's it is a massive difference. It it almost looks like a modern game. It looks really really good. Yeah, I mean, not just the ray tracing, although that helps. But like again, they are like all the the ge- geometry is much more detailed. Like way nicer textures. They're doing they're doing <clears throat> physical materials for everything, which is what you need for ray tracing to really work right. Yeah, uh, it looks pretty good. I'm, I'm not. I'm not even the biggest Half-Life Two booster out there, uh, but I'm kind of shocked how good this looks. And I don't know if this will just come out for free. I'm not sure. I don't because they describe it as a community project. I I am so curious to see how this thing runs and what happens because you know this also has. I, I don't know what is going on to it behind the scenes aside from the visual passes and stuff like we just talked about, but. You know, there's a lot of physics in Half-Life 2 that have to be computed and done mm-hmm. and yeah. lighting that is cast from uh, the the gun, your, your gravity gun and all those things. So I'll be very curious to see how this runs in the end. It's it's really exciting. Half-Life 2 is a, an amazing you yeah, know, it's game. A, it is a classic. It broke ground definitely for a reason. Um, I like that portal or the portal RTX remix thing. Like it, it was fairly taxing even on my new machine, but, and that's self-contained in those little rooms for the most ran part. pretty well. Yeah. Like I, you know, this, this probably will push a good PC pretty hard. Yeah. I, if I had to guess, I really hope this uh, winds up being 
in the end coming out a and b being the entire game that comes out like hopefully it doesn't get stymied or, or caught somewhere because super cool this is the this is the half-life we've been waiting for this is half-life three this mm-hmm. is um maybe you go you can't you can't talk about a, a new a somewhat new half-life thing without ever asking the question do we ever see the completion of half-life yeah <laughs> just know anybody anybody that cared is long gone at this point <laughs> look half-life alex probably did fine you know well yeah but that's i think a different it did more thing. than fine yeah uh that's a different thing though <laughs> maybe then uh, maybe we just need one more one or two more new pieces of t- ways to interact with games or technology before they break glass and make it the thing half-life packaged with it i mean i don't know it would be such a different thing at this point you know like mark laidlaw the writer of half-life like when he went rogue a few years ago and basically just said like, yeah, this is what half-life three would have been. Here's the story. Mm-hmm. Like I always viewed that as an act of protest, <laughs> basically just him saying, well, fuck I'm out of there and they're never going to make it now. So like, I have to get this out there in some form or fashion. Half-life two is an amazing game. Uh, is that the old games block? Yes. Okay. Should we go into, uh, the voice of the old games? Mm-hmm. Charles Martinet is no longer going to voice Mario. They're going to they're gonna go in and they're going to strip them out of everything. I have to tell a story here. Mario really, Ambassador. Related to this, yes. He's taking mm-hmm. on the role of Mario Ambassador. Um, but aren't we all Mario Ambassadors in our heart? Um, uh, I was telling my, my wife this yesterday. I said, oh, the, the voice of Mario is retiring um, at, the, at the dinner table. Oh, did you know that? And my daughter, who's eight, said, Chris Pratt? Oh. <laughs> And I said, mm. you, I've stood up and I flipped the table over and I said, get out of this house. Leave this house. You are no child of mine. Va- valid response. Um, and even my wife said, oh no. Oh, oh no, no, no. Oh no, 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 no. Oh no. We don't do that here on this table. That, <laughs> that's right. She that's said, not how we live here. She did like a, a, a kind of a wince through her teeth and my wife did like a yeah oh is that where we're at oh boy uh and i think she glanced over at me is where we are at (laughs) to see if i was like okay uh and then we said no no oh another person look forgive your forgive your children for they know not what they do (laughs) apparently not um i was more shocked that she knew the name chris pratt off the top of her head dude that fucking like hearing this Hearing you say this makes me feel like the Pratt, the Chris Pratt industrial complex has to be stopped. It's that's, in, I mean, like they are indoctrinating oh yeah. the youth. That's wild. Um, anyway, let's go back to the voice of Mario. Yeah, there's, I don't know. There's not much to say here. It's just a Twitter image announcement that just, you know, he's been doing this since they say Mario 64, but apparently I believe it was Mario teaches typing. Wasn't the first one he actually did a voice in. That might be true. Uh, I don't know if that one's considered canon or not. <laughs> yes, that is right. Actually. Is that a mainline Mario game? Oh, <laughs> uh, sure. Dan Reichert. Uh, it's a very strange time when they put Mario all over the place. The thing this uh, this story, this IGN story Link Brad mentions was those kiosks where he would be a virtual Mario. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I did not know that those dated back to like the 90s because I saw one somewhere at in mid 2000s i think is the one that i remember yeah i think they, that's I, what they, i remember 
that must have them that must have been them bringing it back. Okay, because apparently he was doing that at what I what I assume was CES because that was before E three existed that he apparently started doing that. That's what they hired him for originally. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there were some there were some pictures floating around on Twitter of him in that original setup in the early nineties, and he was just crammed into a tiny little room at a desk with the whole head rig on. <laughs> Uh, it did not look very glamorous, but I'm sure he was having a great time. I remember seeing it in some Nintendo booth somewhere, maybe at an E3, uh, where you could go up and uh, talk to him. But look, yeah, the man I, has done work. I think, like by the time he did it in the mid 2000s or whatever, he like knew a bunch of the yeah, like he knew people in the press well enough to call them out by name as they walked by. Oh yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. He, I think he got very good at it. Was, was he like a stage actor or something originally? Well, he was, I mean, he was a stage actor, but also he has done film acting too. Okay. He's got Most range. notably, he has a very non, he has a non worded, uh, brief cameo in the 1997 Michael Douglas movie, the game. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, He's wow. like a background yes. character. He pl- well, he plays, uh, Michael Douglas's dad who is only seen in flashbacks. Oh, uh, and it's just, if you ever want to see Charles Martinet jump off the roof of a house, you can do that. <laughs> it never occurred okay. to me, but no. Yeah. Okay. Well, off of a roof and into our hearts. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's my thing. Two things. Uh-huh. Sincerely hope this is not Nintendo doing something to try and get around his union status or something to make sure that the voice gets into new ga- the new game promptly or whatever, any of that. Good point. I hope. Yeah. If that is not it, and it is just Charles stepping away and deciding he doesn't want to do this full time anymore, which, hey, you know, voice acting is tough work. Even when you just say "wahoo" over and over again, <laughs> yeah. that's still work. I ju- and I don't want to put too much pressure on the man because he's given us so much. But I just want to present this to him, and I hope this message gets to him. Have you at least considered that changing the voice of Mario might be the thing that finally undoes society? That this might be the last tattered thread of what is holding us as a world and a humanity together is still hearing Charles Martinet go, wahoo! Well, I I have to assume that this has reached Mickey Mouse status at this point, where the only viable option is to get a sound alike as good as possible. Like, they can't... You have to do it eventually. I realize that. They can't, like, change the voice. Oh, no, Brad. The character of the voice, surely. Oh, no. They did. They got Chris Pratt. Oh, we are are entering... We in two years we are going to be saying should Mario talk because we are going to have what's the what's the subworld one we have coming out the warp the the next Mario thing that's coming wonder out? yeah wonder so once we're past wonder are you saying that's not a mainline Mario game um no no I'm just saying once we're because they've shown that I think we're going to get Mario delivering full lines with a with a Chris Pratt sound alike dude I fucking if they seriously if they decide to make Mario talk like Chris Pratt from now on <laughs> I am quitting that's I quit. It. I'm fucking done. Um, look, they got to tie this stuff in. You're, I'm surprised we don't have a Mario, Super Mario, the movie, the game yet. Uh, we we got to start cashing I mean, in on this train. I, I've been I've been fearing slash expecting them subtly shifting the character designs toward the ones in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just I'm I'm just bracing for the the characters in the games to slowly start morphing into the ones from. I know they're not that different, but they are different. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Well, I don't see, like any of this. I, I'm I sure like that Charles. Yeah. Uh, yep. Somebody did find a tweet. It's not in this IGN story. Somebody did dig up a tweet from him from like two years ago where he said, somebody asked him how long he would do it. And he said, I hope to voice that character until I die. Oh, no, that is in the IGN story. Until I dropped oh, dead. It? Yeah, yeah. Or dropped dead. Yeah, yeah. In 21. 
There, yes, there it is. Yeah. Yes, a lot has happened in the last two years. To be fair, uh, who, who knows? He's you know he's approaching seventy. Maybe he's actually just decided. Maybe it's time to hang it up. Uh, also, like, does he do? Is I mean, I don't know what the contract obligations are, but in every like Mario Kart and every appearance, of, I think so. Yeah, every, every one of these characters he does, which is Waluigi, you know. Mario, uh, baby I Mario. So. Like, is he doing all those? I mean, because I mean, I, I don't know if he's doing all of them, but I think if I think he does all of the appearances of the characters he does, if that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like they don't they don't have like a stand-in Mario for like other products. I, I'm pretty sure he does 100 percent of, of I guess, lines. I guess what I really mean is, are they ever just recycling old lines? I don't know. Throwing them into the. Is it, or is that maybe that's against his contract? Well, that's the thing is, he, if it is, they are doing it, I'm sure he has something in his contract that says, I get at least some kind of royalty rate yeah. if you're using my voice, even if it isn't new performance. I, I bet Nintendo seems to have a particular commitment to quality that they would want to re- do fresh lines for everything. I, so uh, according or to craft. this <laughs> story on IGN, uh, Alex, you mentioned it before, he will still be... A Mario. His new role will be Mario Ambassador, capital yes. M, capital A. Yeah, what do they say here? Uh, he'll continue to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. If that means him doing uh, his puppet stuff <laughs> for for yeah. the children, his Mario and Luigi it's weird like, puppet uh, Twitter. Does he still? He doesn't still do those little uh, uh, Mario and Luigi travel the world vines. I don't think he's he been doing. doing as much of that. No. Okay. I don't know. I just kind of we kind of talked about this before. Like it seems like the most Nintendo move to yeah. like keep him around, perhaps on staff. Like like he's some kind of Mario emeritus now. You can't let Sega get a hold of this guy. Like how does how does he coexist with the new Mario? Like what's going to happen when they have to, when they inevitably have to hire a new Mario actor, but he's still there? This is going to be a real Jay Leno Conan situation. I can just fucking feel it. Only oh, no. in this case, I think I might actually be on the side of the Jay Leno in this. Do you think um, you think he like gets along with everybody there? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I've never heard <laughs> any stories about him being weird or hard to work with or anything. If anything, what I've heard is that he is remarkably uh, pliable and available for generally what people want him to do. I want okay, give me the sessions. I want some raw sessions of of uh, him in a scarf and like a beanie going in with some tea, being like, "Are we ready to go? Are we fucking ready mm-hmm. to go?" I'm ready to go. Listen, uh, hit the hit record. Woohoo! <clears throat> Woohoo! Wee! Ah! I'm fucking done. Call me. <laughs> call me. Call me. Oh no! <laughs> Hang on. Let me do that one more time. Yeah. Oh no! All right. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. It's good enough. Can we just do? Yeah. No, we're good. We're done. So it's like Krusty doing the book on tape. Bing, bang, boom. Done. Before the guys <laughs> even put the tape on the reel. <laughs> We're done here. Call me in three years when you got a new one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll be in my trailer. Uh, yeah. I think, here, look, here's here's my final word on this, is that I think that movie making a billion dollars mm-hmm. is what forced their hand on ripping this Band-Aid off. Like, they knew at some point they were going to have to make this change eventually. That movie made a gob-smacking <laughs> amount of money. Uh, people were pissy about the fact that he did not have more interesting things to do in that movie. So at this point, if you're going to go forward and you're going to keep making these movies and they're going to keep making probably, if not a billion dollars, then close to it. At some point, you just have to say, well, fuck them. Let's just get a voice that feels more akin to what we're doing with these incredibly successful films. And then let's just keep him around as the Mario ambassador so that the people who like him don't get too mad. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to say good on Nintendo, but 
the right move after all these years was to keep a singular voice for Mario, even if you could have gotten a sound like 20 years ago, because it's not, it's not that many lines, you know, like that are that, that, you know, there aren't that many things aside from like, it's a me Mario. So good on them for keeping it. That's the right move. It was great. It kept a real kind of weird for me interest in the character, you know, like, Oh, it's always, it's always Charles doing it. That's great. Like if they move into a world where it's an, it's just a mishmash. Whoever's on the game is on the game doing a Mario sound alike. Troy Baker's Mario. Yep. Yep. If we're just, or if we're shifting voice actors every game and it's not notable, Mm -hmm. I I think like you said, Alex, it's a kind of a lesser world, (laughs) you know, like the world is a little less joyful because of it. If, if, but if they get somebody and they get Charles's blessing and King Charles, uh, uh, blesses the new Mario, we're, we're good. If you find the person, stick with them. Don't, yeah. yeah, like you said, don't bop around. Don't make this a, well, this one didn't work out, so let's try the next one. Like, it, take your time, find the right Mario slash all those other characters, and then hold to it. I think okay. that's the only way to do this. All right, end the story, but I have to ask you guys, um, uh, yes, no, in the next 10 years, do we get a voiced Mario game? Like Brad, fully voiced? Yeah, where he's got lines, yeah. Where he's just yes. talking. Okay, Alex yes. says yes. Brad, 10 years. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. They've ripped the band-aid off, yeah. man. I'm telling you. The, the movie the is, the, is that is the fucking canary in the coal mine for where they are going to go with this. <laughs> Maybe not to that to. degree. Maybe not the quippy, annoying, <laughs> sarcastic Mario. But some version of that. They are, they are the most stalwart <laughs> purveyors of the silent protagonist in the history of video games, though. Like, look at... Even even the, the new Zelda games have voice acting for everybody but the player character. You, know? you bring up a good point. But- and guess what? When they make that Zelda movie, <laughs> and that makes close to a billion dollars as well, they're going to be rethinking that as well. Well, yeah, you can't you can't have a human character in a movie, especially the main character who doesn't talk. But um, I don't think so. I I'm going to say, say they no? keep, I'm going to say they they are very traditional with their design. All right. In a lot of ways, I'm going to say no. I'm going to go with Alex. I'm going to say in some Mario thing, some Mario RPG thing or something, we're going to we're going to get more than just a you can talk Mario thing. We're just going to get like a fully like voice thing. At, at I'm going to go one better. Yeah. At some point, he's not going to be Italian anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I believe that before he'll talk. I mean, they yeah. already took his plumber status away, basically. Right. Yeah. 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 We'll see. We'll see. Uh, that is, uh, uh, Mario, uh, uh, or sorry, Charles Martinet, AKA Mario, mm-hmm. uh, uh, stepping down, uh, from that role. No announcement on what happens next. Uh, that's going to do it for the news. We've got an email address here. That is podcast at nextlander.com podcast at nextlander.com. Brad Shoemaker, do you got an email there or so? I'm going to read one email because I have to go get in a truck and help move a load of wood. After okay. Got to move some wood. Uh, but for now. Yeah. Here's one email that came in that is, uh, that actually ties into the thing we talked about today about the 360 a bit. Okay. Uh, from Jeff, Boise, Idaho. Jeff and Idaho. Uh, it's come up a few times where Brad tries to convince Alex to get a dedicated Xbox to run Rock Band 4. I think... I think maybe last time I brought it up, I specifically said just get a Series S because it's cheaper mm-hmm. for it. Uh, I want to remind that even though Alex seems against the idea in any case, this will not work. 
There is no legal way to play Rock Band 4 without a disc, so a Series S will not run it at all. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Interesting. Is, did it not come out digitally? I think it did eventually. Huh. Can you go on the Xbox store? I'm on buy? there right now. I'm on the Xbox.com store. You can uh. buy the Rock Band 4 Rivals bundle Oh, for 40 Wait. bucks. What is Rivals? Rivals is the expansion they put out for four. So and that includes the base game? That includes the base game. Oh. And for Rivals Bundle. Yeah, it does say buy right here, $39.99. And that's definitely, you get the base game with it. I mean, you can also apparently buy the base game, it seems oh, like. okay. Digitally. Yeah, there's, there's a little drop okay. down. Not available separately. Interesting. Okay, Uh-oh. maybe you actually have to buy the Rivals version now. Okay, but that would come with the game but that's rock band that's just okay. that yeah, is rock band four it seems it seems like you can't just buy the base game here on the store if you you have to change it to that rivals bundle but then it will uh then it'll let you purchase it but it's it straight up says under playable on it does say xbox series x and s all yeah. right well now we're so, back in it alex that seems like that has changed so get a series s i'm trying to rock remember band. when they made that switch over but i remember i've there have been a few times where i have thought about just buying the digital version anyway so i don't have to ever have a disc in that thing but I haven't done that yet. I want to say I have the digital version uh, in the Xbox. I have the permanent Rock Band Xbox I have in the attic. Yeah. What's the What's the total storage size of all the DLC? Oh boy! Oh, uh, if you give me one minute, I can go look on my Xbox. Oh, you don't have to look. Is it bigger than a terabyte? Is it bigger than like eight hundred gig? It's It's in the hundreds of gigs. I think I don't okay. know the exact number. But it probably runs fine off a USB hard drive. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it, I think as long as you have you know something plugged into the box, it runs fine. It's not like you have to buy the expensive storage card to put it on or anything. It's more the like indexing of the thing, right? It's and the like, indexing that has yeah. been a nightmare. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you 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 could just buy a fast external SSD to put it on, but not have to pay their premium. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, your path is clear then. Sweet. Speaking of Xbox stuff, any of you guys look into getting the expanded memory for uh, storage space for? Well, I have that? one. No, oh, you no. have forgot. You have the official. I bought the one, one right? that was at launch. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I have used one briefly and then had to return it for variety of reasons. Oh, okay. Uh, those new ones have hit it, the market. The, the it, it got it got caught up in the CBS to Red Ventures transition. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, that is the podcast emails section for this week. That is podcast at nextlander dot com. Podcast at nextlander dot com. That's going to do it for the show. We're going to start wrapping up uh, a couple of announcements here. First one, uh, in case you missed it, the first two times we mentioned it, but uh, next week we will be releasing the podcast across all platforms on Thursday at noon Eastern. Uh, so if you're over on the Patreon, that's patreon.com slash nextlander, uh, that podcast will be delayed until the embargo goes up for Starfield. So that won't happen until Thursday. Spread the word. Uh, other things going on. We are wrapping up Serial Experiments Lane for the Watchcast. Uh, that finale, the four episode block or layer block, mm-hmm. uh, will be going up next week. And then, Alex, what's going on with the Watchcast? What is going on with the Watchcast? Uh, I can, I think we can safely say we have some slightly staggered plans for the month of September. Uh, we are going to be taking that second week of September off, uh, as I think we have mentioned before. Uh, so that we're just not going to have a watch cast, uh, that goes up that week. 
But the first week of September, we are going to do one more anime thing. It is going to be a one-off film. Uh, and we have each picked a choice that will be put up on the Patreon to be voted upon. It's true. And we will uh, reveal what those uh, personal choices are in the near future when that next episode launches. But that poll will be up the same day. You'll have until Wednesday to decide what that's going to be. And then I think for the other two weeks of September, the final two, uh, I believe we are going to just uh, dip back into the world of uh, Hong Kong action for a little bit. Because, Brad, you had expressed some interest in seeing some more heavy hitters from that uh, that particular scene. Sure. So why not? I, I love it. Uh, so for folks that don't know, we are uh, trying to run the watch cast in parallel with the state of the uh, strikes going on, the SAG strike and the Writers Guild strike. So when those resolve in a, in a, in a way, uh, hopefully in a positive way, uh, we will come back to um, things that are struck work, which, is, mm-hmm. which includes Twin Peaks, which uh, I'm dying to see, <laughs> see the end of. Uh, so in the meantime, we're, we're trying to navigate and watch things. There are plenty of them that are outside of that, uh, the purview of the strike. So that is why we're doing the anime stuff and we're going to be going, uh, abroad for some other things, uh, that are not unstruck work. Yeah. And we have potential plans that essentially run at this point through November. Hopefully it does not take that long, but if it does, uh, we can, we're, we're good until then. And then we'll just come up with some other stuff. Yeah, so we're kind of playing it by ear, a bit, maybe a little bit month by month here, as we because we don't know when the strike is going to end. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that's what's going on, on the Watchcast. Thanks for supporting us over there uh, as we try to support the people who are also striking uh, um, during this time with the Writers Guild and the SAG strike and all of that stuff. Uh, over on the scheduling side too, Alex mentioned we will be off in the second week in September. Uh, but we will have uh, a bunch of stuff going up there, including uh, Never Been a Better Podcast. We'll have a, a, one of the earlier ones will go up in that slot. Uh, we're going to be keeping on the schedule. We're going to be shifting some stuff around. Uh, we have a holiday coming up, too, in, in September. Uh, I think that Monday in September. A uh, bunch of stuff there, so we'll be moving some things around. On Monday, though, Brad, you're going to be traveling this Monday. Uh, and Abby has agreed to come back and bring Doug with her for some Baldur's Gate 3. Hell yeah. To, to continuing adventures there. So you can tune in for that on Monday. Pretty excited about going into that. Uh, and what else we got going on? We'll have a grab bag going on this Thursday. Uh, and Friday, we'll be getting together a little earlier. Um, I think noon Eastern this Friday, if you're catching that stream live. I think we're going to jump into some Armored Core, which releases on Friday. Uh, you can find out a bunch of that stuff, uh, like Never Been a Better Podcast, The Watchcast, The Ramblecast, over on patreon.com slash nextlander. Also, uh, I should mention, uh, if you're having trouble watching the uh, Gamescom thing, I'm going to try and put it up over on the Patreon, too, if you haven't seen it there. So if you're having trouble watching it because of the YouTube stuff and the, the copyright stuff, uh, hopefully it's up there by the time you listen to this. But Alex Navarro, did you know there is one tier there over on patreon.com slash nextlander that gets their names read on this here show? This is the first I'm hearing about this. Really? Then you will be very excited to know there is one tier that gets their names read on this here show. And Alex, why don't you read those fines name for us? I never agreed to this. But for you, Vinny. uh For me. For you. For me. And only you. Let me hear them come out of this sweet, sweet voice of yours. I'll do it for you. Our mysterious benefactors for this week are Ryan Waterman, 
RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Kelly F, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, The Deirdre Chainsaw Massacre, Gary Pejsky, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Fiend is now an annual member of the Make People Say Things Club, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Raz Grizz 2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Teepkin, Alex Wu, It's Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Thanks again to our mysterious benefactors for this week, and thanks again to everyone who has supported us over on the Patreon, watched our stuff over on Twitch, YouTube, listened to this fine, fine podcast. Uh, we appreciate it. Couldn't do it without ya. Uh, so we appreciate that support. I think I've gone over everything that is up and coming so far. Anything else that I leave out? Um, yeah, I feel like the gist of it. We've had to look at the calendar uh, every five minutes. This time, stuff is shifting around as we try to figure out schedules and things. But uh, we try to post it every week, so hopefully that calendar stays uh, accurate and time sensitive. Uh, thank you very much, Brad Shoemaker. Hopefully you, have, you. enjoy your time moving wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, it's not Alex a euphemism. Navarro. He's no. actually doing that. No, wear gloves. Load up the bed of that truck. Uh, I'll take a picture if you can. I'd like to see what you're moving. Um, some some naughty, or some, some oak you said maybe, right? I think it's oak. That's great. Oak. Riff song. Quarter song. Quarter, as we like to say. In, uh, Alex Navarro, thank you very much. Pleasure thank as you. always. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>